Hello and welcome to the Cruel Summer Podcast. My name is James Taylor. My name is Marco Sparks. This week on the podcast, we're discussing Season 1, Episode 9, A Secret of My Own, written by Mark Antonelli, directed by Alexis Ostrander, I think also did Episode 7. Uh, this is this is quite the episode. This is a, a very singular episode of television. I don't think I've ever watched anything quite like this. This is this is the episode, folks. Incredibly, this is where we've been going. Incredibly uncomfortable, unflinching. Um, I yeah. I mean, not that the episodes, other episodes, have not been good, but this one is a standout for sure. And, either where we've been going or yeah. where we've been coming from in the show. Um, I know. I know. The Emmys are allergic to even acknowledging Freeform, let mm-hmm. alone giving any kind of awards to them. But this might be the one. It, I, it feels like like everyone should watch this, this episode in particular. I mean, they should watch this show, but they should really watch this episode. I, I joked on Twitter that uh, this should be included in every box set sold at PLL. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's fascinating to me that this is on the same network as PLL. Yeah. Um, this fucking show, man. I mean, I don't know how to put it. It's the antidote to so many things we've seen on TV. I mean, let me put it this way. Uh, my, my watch, I have an Apple watch. It'll like alert me if my like heart rate is elevated for like over 10 minutes while I'm not mm-hmm. moving around. And, uh, it almost never gives me that alert, you know, cause I'm like at least reasonably in card- good cardiovascular health. But uh, it went off when I was rewatching this episode and I was just like, oh wow. Yeah. Cause this episode is hitting so which part um it was probably in like the first 20 minutes somewhere in there okay interesting yeah interesting. yeah i'm kind of curious like, on the, the you would think you. like once you watch it the first time it's like okay well now i can just watch it and do notes but no on the second viewing it might have been even harder to watch well what's what i think is so interesting about that is in a lot of ways this is exactly what i expected the episode to be and in so many ways it's not at all we kind of um, felt like it was going to end up this way from really kate's first episode you know like mm-hmm. it, it kind of seemed like they were leading us to the point where kate wasn't telling the truth about certain things because she had more than just a purely antagonistic relationship to her kidnapper yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's it's the other 48 days of lost to a certain mm-hmm. degree uh uh, there's a great interview with with Blake Lee where he talks about you know <laughs> uh, getting the script and being like, "What the fuck am I in for?" Is, and, is that the and, one with him and Olivia Holt? I think uh, I might have read that. I don't know they, the they did a few. They did a fair amount of press about this episode. Yeah, yeah he's talking about how uh, Tia Napolitano like talked to him and was just like, "Let's just go meet. We'll just read through the whole script together." And like, "Well, we'll talk about it afterwards." So they just like sat on a bench and just went through the whole script together. And then like uh, a couple of days, because I guess part I, it feels like the house is a set to me, but it might be a real. I think house. it's a real house because they said that they they were able to actually get into the house a few days mm-hmm. earlier in the weekend him and, and uh, Olivia Holt and and Tia Napolitano and the director and just like go through well they aspects. did a rehearsal which like doesn't happen in TV yeah yeah i mean i also Tia Napolitano come on the show we want you in the show sure, so bad yeah. i want you in the show so bad it hurts but uh like if you can somehow divorce yourself from like what's going on in the subject matter. The, the way this show is executed, like it's, it's fascinating. The, the editing Alexis Ostrander's like, it's really a standout episode in, in like yeah. every way. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in some ways 
I'm trying to think of the last time like a single episode of TV show, like a TV show just grabbed me at the moment I'm watching and still have that power. And it might be the body on Buffy. To me, it's like like how it hit me and like how I just want to study it. It falls in that same category. Um, I guess why I might include the the black and white episode of PLL. Just like you just kind of know immediately like, oh, there's something special going on here. You know, like right from the start when it tells you that these events unfold during the fall of 93 and 94. You're like, oh, oh, wow. This isn't this isn't the same as all the other episodes. So, again, like this episode, there's, you know, all the trigger warnings. But also if I sound really fucking excited at points talking about this episode it's because just the the visceral thrill of like really good tv happening is what i'm excited about um the follow-up uh to me pointed out that you know in the episode where we see kate packing her bag she makes sure to pack that pink bunny that she's going to bring with her when she runs ooh, away and ooh. it's it's so, so she knows where she's going Maybe. Yeah, it's yeah. so into like the way she's held this idea of Martin mm-hmm. Harris. Um, yeah, but again, just all the praise for Olivia Hull, uh, of course, always. Well, and Blakely, uh, it's sort of a thankless performance, you know. Like, yeah, but I mean the the empathy that he injects in this character without excusing his actions, and the way that you can see this character's thought process you don't have to necessarily agree with it of course but you can you can fucking understand it but yeah it's a, it's a like I said, slight change for penultimate episode just 93 94 um so you're thinking going into this oh we're not gonna see Jeanette um but uh, of course we are uh so we pick up where we left off the end of episode seven with Kate walking up to Martin oh, Harris's front door real quick before you get into that a little bit of follow-up on um episode eight there uh, we were talking about how like in the 90s, nobody was out. I was just thinking while we were, you know, taking a break for recording this episode, even now in the NFL, I'm pretty sure there isn't a single out player. So it's like if you wanted a career in football, not much has changed, you know, mm-hmm. so like that that is like still a thing even to this day. Yeah. So yeah. it sucks to be Ben. I mean, uh, you and I went to a high school where I don't know, it's just too much of our OPSEC where should we talk about the one teacher? No. Okay. Um, though we had we had other teachers and scandals, whatever. Anyway, so we pick up where we, we left the end of the episode. Kate walk into Martin Harris's front door at night. It's 93. He opens the door. We don't hear any of the dialogue there. Uh, we just see the way they look at each other. Shots of feet as she enters. His feet as he steps out of the way. Make sure no one saw her arrival. The, the shot of like her like sneakers there. I, I feel like that's it's very intentional. We're seeing just the, it's kind of like this iconography of youth. And the, the way he the way he looks out, like she she walks in and we see him looking out, his eyes darting around. Even now, he's looking around. He wants to know, did anyone see? He's calculating right from mm-hmm. the start. Mm-hmm. And he's 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 always I think what like it would be it would be too easy. I think it would let Martin Harris off the hook to just say, Well, he's evil. You know, that that's like too easy of an explanation. He's continuously making decisions that are selfish and um and just, you know, wrong and like, you know morally corrupt but he's making those decisions he's he's arriving at decision points where he could do the right thing and he continues to do the wrong thing yeah but i think that there is particularly one scene in in some spoiler for because this is i don't know if we're going to be a little bit all over the place here because this is a wild episode never have i ever there's a part of that where i think the show is brilliant because i think you could very well make the argument that he's calculating the whole time and you could very well make the argument that he's just so lost in the whole thing that he doesn't know what he's thinking. Um, and I think the show is brilliant for not making him a mustache twirling villain the whole time. 
that to a certain degree, because of his poor decisions, he is caught up in this fucking fiasco that he's created. Um, but yeah, so he shuts the door, locks it, turns off the light. I mean, Lord Red Riding Hood has, has gone into oh, and, nightmare and, world. And then we just get the title card day one. And it's just like, oh, wow, this is a yeah. different kind of episode. Yeah, this is this is going <laughs> to this is going to hurt like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in his living room, they're sitting on the couch and she talks to him. She says that she suddenly feels so lonely in her own house in her life. How did that happen? He tells her she's not alone, that he's here with her. He's listening. Uh, and then, thank fucking God. And we cut to 94. <laughs> We're back in one of Kate's therapy sessions of Sylvia. And this is the device that I fucking love throughout the episode. And Sylvia just says, let's revisit the concept of grooming. It's and so like, on the nose, but it, like I feel like it has to be this way. You know, because like, amazingly, like I was taking a peek at Reddit. There are still people on those Cruel Summer Reddits that are being like, it's Kate's fault. She let him on. Blah. You know, it's like, it's like, did you not like the whole point of the episode is like to like kind of educate you about what grooming is. And then still people are like, no, like Kate, you know, brought on herself, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Sylvia's practically narrating this documentary on why this is so shitty, but yeah, giving America and TV viewers a very helpful primer to all this stuff. But uh, Sylvia says, you know, groomer, I said, victim. He saw your unfulfilled need to confine someone then positions himself as the singular person that fulfilled that need. I, I would love to know how many drafts of the script there was. Was there something where like, there was like a more straightforward version of this. And then they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring him back in Sylvia in case it's not clear. Well, Sylvia, the therapist, like if you told me she was actually just a real therapist, I would believe you. Like, Oh yeah. There's something yeah. about her affect. That's she so seems flat. Real. That just like it seems like, yeah, this is probably what a therapist would be. She's like never too kind of emotion, you know, driven or anything. Um, there's this well, shot in in the, the night, you know, day one where um, Kate is tired and she kind of like leans her head on uh, on Martin Harris's shoulder there. And he like kind of looks at it and he does this kind of blinking, confused thing. Or it's like yeah. he can he can see just like the calculation and like it's like he can always just see he's considering his angles like constantly with her. Yeah. Uh Blakely is great. And like the the one article I was reading was just like it's fascinating that he goes from the the first LGBTQ Hallmark, you know, <laughs> Christmas movie yeah. to this role. And yeah, it's like if you cast him in like season two of Picard as like Data's little brother, I I believe mm-hmm. that. Like he might be just like a like a total chameleon. But um what I love about Sylvia too is that she's not how do I put this? She's not a character. There's not like a drama. There's not like a storyline of Sylvia. We don't have to suspect that Sylvia's got some kind She's of. She's just point. the therapist. Yeah. I mean, she in some ways she is. She's just like the voice device. of God, kind of. Yeah. 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 And and that sounds horrible in one way, but like it's totally fucking necessary and works. There are plenty of other characters on the show that have arcs. You don't necessarily need her to to have an arc. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, in so many ways, to like small characters to big characters, the show is the antidote. Yeah, so they're on the couch. She's falling asleep. He's putting the her, uh, you know, her to bed on well, the just, couch, removing her just shoes. The shots of him like taking her shoes off and like holding her ankle with like the sock. It's just like it suggests so much with so little. It it makes you like this episode is so fucking uncomfortable to watch. Like, yeah, I, like I don't know. I, like I went on Reddit afterwards, and everyone is like. Like there, you can just tell everyone is like just skeeved out by the episode. Like there's especially certain moments in this episode, certain lines of dialogue that it's just like they make you want to throw up. I think even Humbert Humbert would be like, "This is a bit much." Yeah, but uh, it's, it's so it's so like not sensationalized though. No. You know, it's 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 not lascivious or anything like that. It's just like oh, he's just taking her shoe off, and yet there's something about it that feels like a violation. Well, in in. Up until the end, he doesn't do the dead-eyed thing mm-hmm. for most of the episode. And I, I think 
that's the thing about us is like, this is horrible. This is still a human being. And that's what makes all of this so much more sadder. Um, mm-hmm. But he kneels down, watches her sleeping like a creep. We hear Sylvia say, you know, groomers pose as saviors when in reality they're predators. In the morning, she wakes up on the couch. We get this kind of interesting single take practical lighting effect showing the sun coming out. This is why I mm-hmm. thought it was a set. Um, just the way they, they, they do the uh, you, sun rising. You can do that with lighting. It doesn't need to be Still, set for that. I'm sure you can, but it's mm-hmm. obviously easier on a set. This is I don't think two. it's a set because we can see the ceiling in some shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I think we actually see out the door at one point. Yeah, um, yeah, and they like go yeah. up and down the stairs. Which I gotta say, like this, uh, I was just, like noticing on rewatch. This is an incredibly nice house, except that like weird kind of like wrought iron metal banister. Like, what is that doing there? That just like sticks mm-hmm. out like a sore thumb to me. Yeah. I would, I would have replaced that if I were Martin. I'm. I would have gone on a home improvement kick instead of uh, grooming a teenager. That'd have been, you know, my big change there. <laughs> that's what you do if you're urges that's a yeah. good that's a that's a good thing um i uh i'm fascinated by parts of the house like completely divorced from the storyline architecturally like the master bathroom with the two doors that's a nice master bathroom man gotta say i'm very curious about that master bathroom mm-hmm. also just what where what does the other door go to in the the basement why were the mirrors in the basement like what did the what did greg say oh, one, one door is the, the originally there's like a shower bathroom. in the basement a right? bathroom yeah but what's the other door? Mm-hmm. A closet, um, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Not that it matters, but like also, like, was this like a dance studio? Like, what was the Greg Turner mm. like realtor walkthrough like? <laughs> how on how this does house? he pitch this? You know, yeah. like, how does he put a, a nice spin on it? It's got a basement down here in case you want like a man cave. Yeah. Only, only for me. Only what I care. And they don't do this anymore if they even release DVDs. But like, if that was like an extra on the DVD, just Greg showing you the house. <laughs> yes, please. That would have been amazing. Somehow, um, I don't think it would fit the tone of the show no, but. No. <laughs> might be a little fucked up but it's uh, like let me show you the master bathroom you're gonna love it <laughs> well you, here's how you do it is you shoot it where like it's we're we're in martin's pov and we never hear his voice it's just it's, greg talking it's to like, us like dancer here you know what you can replace this i know a guy it'd be real cheap also just the fact that martin he's not presented as the creeper who has no stuff He's, yeah, it's like, not just like bare walls and like yeah, yeah. There's so much accoutrement. There's so much weird history, like the fucking travel guides <laughs> and shit. Um, so we see Kate walking around the house exploring in her socks. Yeah, Sylvia's voiceover that false sense of security he built up was a well laid trap. She's still got the stain on her dress. I like that detail. Yeah, she goes down, looks around the empty basement. There's the two doors. There's just uh, a just a painful irony to her going into the basement. You know, on, on day two here, it, it's so haunting, and she's just walking around. She's free right now, in theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Therapy 94, Sylvia asks if Kate's able to see this reality. And Kate says it's hard when there's so much she hasn't told Sylvia yet. And you kind of get the sense, okay, that's what's, that's the, the, this is the frame story. We're going to start to see her fully laying out to, to Sylvia On, everything. She, she says what we've, we've kind of guessed by now is that she wasn't yeah. always locked in the basement. And yeah. so clearly it's, it's hard for her to see Martin as a groomer because I think she feels like she was, it was a relationship she was involved in, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and she can see to a certain degree without fully understanding all of it, ways that he led and she feels responsible for leading him into certain things, which again, it's not to put blame on her by any means. He's the mm-hmm. adult here. Um, well, I mean, and Sylvia, the therapist makes clear in this, like you didn't have a friendship, you know, there is a power yeah. dynamic there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that involves like, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, um, oh, what was I going to say? 
I don't forgot. Anyway, so Kate comes back from the basement, you know, starts to close the door in 93. There's Martin on the other side. This dude's mutant powers. He could just fucking silently appear in places. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Um, she started up first, but then happy to see him. And he asks how she slept. And she says, like a baby with a cute little smile. Which is just an extra creep factor. You know, yeah, like Kate, just, yeah. Her voiceover follows up with, you know, the, the thing that she hasn't told Sylvia, which is, I wasn't always locked in the basement. And he's like, you see... Like so what Sylvia needs to do is she needs to let Kate talk. Kate mm-hmm. needs to confess all this. And like, it, it almost needs to, I mean, obviously I think trauma response, Kate wants to keep certain secrets. She needs to like confess certain things because it's fucking good for her. But also Sylvia is going to eventually have to start helping Kate deprogram herself. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. all the guilt that we've seen. Um, yeah. So title card and well, the 93. Real quick on the title card. Um, I, somebody tweeted out this. Apologies. I can't remember who it was, but like, um, I'll the way the way it, it's kind of it's like you know water and reflection but it also kind of flickers like a video would which kind of makes me wonder if that videotape is going to come back in a major way the one that uh, mallory took where kate's in the background yeah um and that's from andrea thank you mm-hmm. andrea uh so 93 presumably still day two uh because it's the next day after after it's like the left. next morning rod like slept on the couch <laughs> sitting up mm-hmm uh, Rod and Joy look rough. They're trying to act like this is normal as they discuss it. Kate's staying out all night. Rod wonders if they should call the cops. And Joy's like, do you really want our 16-year-old on the radar as a troublemaker? Um, which won't be a troublemaker. Uh, they're both worried, but Joy says that she's trying to think straight. She thinks that Kate will definitely have put herself somewhere safe. will certainly show up for the first day of school. So Joy's going to go to school and find Kate there. So we saw her go talk to Martin Harris in the previous episode. Well, and Rod, and Rod is just like, hey, we still have some shit to deal with you know, some revelations that came out last night, yeah. but we're going to put that aside for right now, you know, and as soon as Kate is home safe, then we can deal with that. Agreed. And she's like, agreed. Well, but also there's a little bit of, I think he's already feeling the regret from the, I'm going to let joy mm-hmm. police her daughter. Cause yeah. he's like telling her, here's the message to Kate mm-hmm. that we're sorry that we were to figure out as a family. Like, he's already like feeling his own guilt mm-hmm. from like, that look and that walking away. Um, meanwhile, in Martin Harris's a little too decorated kitchen. He, nice like, kitchen. Did he hire a designer or something? He's got like the, um, the, like the nice expensive China, like in the above the, uh, the sink there on like the special, um, you know, like the plate holders or whatever to kind of show it off. Yeah. is like, he's got an aesthetic. I'll give him that. It's like, did he hire somebody and be like, Hey, make me look like a person. Yeah. Also, he's got the um, ceiling fan in the kitchen. I like that. That's smart. Mm-hmm. That's that's a little smarter than we. He's got a realize. wine rack. Yeah. 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 Uh, I kind of want this house. The kitchen reminds me a little bit of like when Jerry had his kitchen done in Seinfeld, and it was like <laughs> too much. Um, he's made breakfast for them. They're like eating at the island counter together. He's got to head into work early for a staff meeting. Asked if she can manage to walk to school alone. So it's it's an interesting detail where, at this point he's not expecting her to stay. I mean, maybe he wants her to stay, but you know, she says, I, yeah. I mean, I thing. think if, if one were to try to get into Martin Harris's mind at this point, he's probably thinking of more of a long-term grooming. Yeah. I, I, he, I'm sure he doesn't think of if, himself as, as a much as he, as yeah. much as he's conscient, like consciously. He's probably thinking, this. I, I feel this connection to this person. It seems like she's into me. We can kind of move this along and she'll be 18 in a year. And, you know, like, I don't think he's like thinking about kidnapping her yet. Although I feel like maybe it's not always entirely gone from the back of his mind. Like, 
the act the the lengths he may need to go to you know should mm-hmm. uh she become trouble and this is this is uh well, there's only one trouble but like mm-hmm. this is what i was saying was where i think to a certain degree from his mindset he's swept along with circumstances like, I granted, those circumstances thing, are all core to to bad choices that he has made i, I saw a thing on reddit it was like a, a psychologist or psychiatrist was posting there about people who are groomers are often um like they kind of like stop developing mentally like you know, like somewhere in like their teenage years you know which is why they kind of fixate on younger people it's because they're like not really equipped so they can relate to yeah mm-hmm. so and yeah, I, I, mean, think I think we, we see some signs of that later in the episode like some of their activities seem very juvenile yeah i mean uh, um that's that's something of a lot of folks when mm-hmm. you know it's a lot of fetishes are born out of things you can't get over or what have you but yeah i mean i think i think the details even if we never get anything about it the detail about his father mm-hmm. is key to all of this but yeah um he says he likes their friendship that he's never connected with another student on this level before uh-huh. he needs her to call him <laughs> mr harris at least at school but it's like uh, he's he's constantly and then i i wish i'd written down what this thread was on reddit because i don't want to like steal anyone's idea but like there's this idea in the way he grooms that like he will kind of like set a boundary and then break it constantly. You know, well, he's like, it's Mr. Harris at school. Also, I've never connected to another student on this level before. It's like, he's, he's constantly like drawing these boundaries and like letting her cross those boundaries. Uh, I want to get to the, when we get to the, the never mm-hmm. have I ever, because yeah. there are things that they're doing that adults do mm-hmm. <laughs> when they're flirting all the time. Yeah. It is extra creepy when this dynamic, but later that morning he's leaving his sprinklers get him. We see Mallory there filming this and chunkling about it all. Um, I mean, I, I think at least in the moment, Mallory does not notice Kate in the window. It's possible yeah. that later she goes back and watches this tape. Although unless she's got some video equipment at home, this is probably the tape that Martin Harris smashes. You know, that's, that's yeah. kind of how you did it back in the days. You do like, you kind of like had to set up and like, you got your one shot and you filmed it and that was it. Yeah. Um, anyway, Mallory chuckles with Glee and gets on her, her bike and rides away. So we see that it was indeed, of course, Kate in the window. We see her looking out, watching Martin drive away as this cover of linger by cranberry starts to play. Completing which, the uh, cranberries trilogy. Kate Wallace owns cranberries. Oh, and what we do we had, have? Like we had zombie and dreams, right? Do we have dreams? I thought I, we had I, a bunch of covers of zombie. I feel like there was another cranberry song. I had to go back and look. I, I want to say that episode had like like three co- it, like, it like definitely originally did, yeah. two covers mm-hmm. of zombie, mm-hmm. but yeah, she owns cranberry. She owns it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so, and, not to derail. Have you heard the time travel theories? Have, are you aware of those at all? We've talked about it on this podcast. Have we talked about? It? Okay, yeah. do you want to time travel back to that episode? Mm-hmm. We talked about the books, the books that he has in his house. Well, that so are like not the published yet? zombie like wasn't out yet, like when she was locked in the basement or something like that. Yeah. I, again. Do I think there's going to be time travel in the show? Of course I don't. Mm-hmm. Would I have a problem with it? Of course I wouldn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing about the books. It was like, it wasn't like they were just random books on a shelf. And if you freeze framed it, you'd see that they were, they were anachronistic. It's that the show made sure to linger on them mm-hmm. for a certain time. Linger so much she starts, like this Cranberry song. She starts exploring the I'm house. such a fool she, for you. Uh-huh. Um, wrapped around your finger. She's in the bathroom with so many mirrors, looking in the medicine cabinet, feeling his monogram towels. Oh, he's, Again, he, a guy with monogram towels. That's how you know he's a creep. Uh, looking hey, at his hey, house. Yeah, I have monogram towels. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> looking at his shoes, running her hand over his shirts. Uh, she tries one of his shirts on. Like she's 
very much like into this idea of being his girlfriend, like being this, like I can be an adult, like this is an adult man with fancy stuff and I could wear mm-hmm. his shirts. And she's probably seen that in a movie, you know, or like the girl wears the guy's shirt and whatnot. And like, she, you can tell she's, she's into this whole idea here. Also sensitive episode, huge topics, you know, heavyweight. I'm going to, I'm going to drop the hottest take of all time. Mm-hmm. This dude has some fucking ugly shirts. I mean, it's the nineties. I mean, yes, These are some, yes, he does. I don't care. But like dog shit, ugly yeah. shirts. I mean, we can't all have awesome polyester mesh Hawaiian shirts like I did in the nineties. You know, just saying. Oof, this <laughs> was rough for a lot of people. I had um, I had this shirt that it's like it's kind of like this like polyester purple, like shiny purple with like the leopard print collar. God, the nineties ruled. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the evening and she, like she's in the kitchen pulling a pizza out of the oven well there's like a hard cut bar. here to like linger I'm such a fool for you I'm wearing your shirt like I could I could be this adult woman to like her pulling out this uh, burnt frozen pizza because she's not an adult you know like no, she no. she's trying to like cook dinner for her man and she burns it and it's just a frozen pizza and she can't get that right you know she's uh, she's waking up hard from that Aria Montgomery mm-hmm. dream yeah. Well, and the way Martin Harris comes in, he's like anytime there's a chance that like um, anything could put him in jeopardy of being caught or found out, he gets mm-hmm. very aggressive, very pushy. He's yep. just like, what are you doing? What's going on here? You know, like, why aren't you in school today? Like, you know, it's like it's just all like, you know, I could lose my job because of you. Like, he's just always putting it on her constantly here. And it's subtle. It's very subtle in some of the cases, like mm-hmm. the way he's he's selling it. And it's like it works and it works and it works to the point that it doesn't anymore. But he's just getting home, comes rushing over, turns it off. You know, he's asking why she wasn't in school today. And she said that she was trying to think of what to say about where she's been. She wanted his help. That She's not a very good liar. Um, and this is a little bit like, I think, her scam. Um, she, doesn't, she doesn't want well, to leave. I think she thinks it's her scam. Yeah. yeah. But it's, oh, obviously. Obviously. obviously yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's much. Again, I'm going to say certain things here. By no means do I think he is responsible <laughs> oh, yeah, or to that- blame. That's why it's such like a there's like this like heavy dose of dramatic irony in this episode because she is doing things that are playing exactly into his hands. Yeah. And then like she doesn't realize like, you know, the other side of it. Like she doesn't realize that like how how easy she's making it for him. Take out the darker elements of all this. There's nothing sadder than thinking that you're acting of your own agency Mm -hmm. to find out that you're not. Um, He tells her that her mother came to school looking for the day, came to him specifically. He's panicking a little, tells her she needs to leave now because the joy goes to the police and they find out he lied. He could lose his job or worse. So she's sorry. She didn't want to get me sort of trouble. He needs her to go. She's okay. She seems dejected. She's going to get her suitcase. And then immediately he's like, he's like making it all on her, you know, like you're going to get me in trouble. You know, I've done nothing wrong here and, and like, you need to be more, you know, it's, it's like all like, you know, like you have the power here, even though she does not really. Well, and, and, and I don't know what other word you, I'm going to say reasonable, but like, these are realistic concerns too, because he has done something wrong. He could get in trouble. He could lose his job. It could be worse than that. Well, it's like, you know what, Martin? It should you, be. You had a lot of opportunities yeah. to yeah. do the right thing. You could have called her parents when she came over. You could have told Joy when she yeah. came to school the next day. Yeah. You know, like, there, there are so many chances where you, you could have done the right thing and you didn't. And there's a reason that you didn't. is because you have ill intent, you know. But it's like he's, he's always trying to portray himself as the victim here and not her. A teenage girl sleeping in your house? No fucking thank you. And also, I don't want to get in the thing that I've seen a lot of people do, and I don't think they're realizing they're doing it, but they're doing that thing 
where you start interrogating the actions of the victim and how you would have done things differently from the very beginning. And it's like, well, it's like, well, yeah, you, you've read the scripts, you know, like yeah. she's like, Kate hasn't read the, the script. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I don't think people realize like how that comes off. I mean, I totally get it. Yeah, there's plenty of, there's plenty of turns that Kate could have taken that that's not the story. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think like in my own life, fortunately, uh, haven't had to really deal with any of these situations. The closest thing I was thinking of is like, I remember when I worked at the casino, I'd get home at like two 40 in the morning. And like, I was living with Pina at the time. And like, she'd let her younger brother who's still in high school, like come over and have like a safe party with some of his friends. And I can remember coming home at like almost three o'clock in the morning. And there's like a half pass out teenage girl on my couch. And I'm like, everyone pack your shit, wake up. I'm driving you all home right now. Like I do not want this in my house, in my apartment or whatever at all. It's like, yeah, uh, that that doesn't know. Normal people react. They're just like, nope, nope, no, this is bad. And uh, we got to do something about it. Well, I I imagine it would have been fine because I presume that you're not going to groom these children. Even still, I just, I was like, I do not want underage people who are possibly high or drunk at my place of residence as an adult. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the substances especially make yeah. that, that extra tricky. But like, the power dynamics—it comes down to everything. I mean, it's 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 not just that she's a teenager. It's not just that he's the assistant principal. I mean, honestly, it's his house. That's a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. He's a man and she's a woman. That's a power dynamic. This goes back to even basic things. I think like like these Aziz and Sorry story. You know what I mean? And like like the way we the power is used against people and they don't they don't realize it. And also, I just want to stop it now because I got a message from somebody like years ago about PLO. I don't want to hear shit about the Tanner scale. Keep that the, the fuck Tanner away from scale? me. The Tanner scale is a way where you can individually assess a person's like uh, sexual maturity. I don't want to hear shit about that. Never heard of that. Thankfully, yeah. 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 Um, if that's a scientific thing. We're not talking about that here. Uh, I thought you were answered, talking about Detective Tanner. I was like, what? No, no. Yeah. Nor am I talking about Michelle Tanner. Uh, no, he answers it and faces out. The, oh, sorry. He falls into the living room where the phone starts to ring. Ominously uh, ring. Yeah, they both stare yeah. at it. Everything, Do you think this is a real call? Like, is he actually getting a call from, like, the police or whatever? Or is well, he, the phone rings. It's, it's very convenient in a way. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But also... The show is fascinating because as things, I mean, you've seen this episode, right? At this point, folks, so you're listening to this episode, otherwise you're, you're fucked. But uh, as they build this bubble of theirs, as they call it, like every poke from the outside world is fucking ominous and world ending. Anytime like the, the, the kind of fantasy is, is punctured in any way. Yeah. Yeah. And he, like his mood changes entirely. Anytime, like the outside world, like creeps so the, in. the phone doesn't just ring. It fucking Twilight Zone rings. Um, so he answers it, faces out the window. The angle changes where we're outside looking in at him. We hear him on his side is like, "That's terrible news." Thank That's you, terrible news. Thank you, detective. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I, think, I assume it's real. I guess I don't know. I feel like it's it's going to a lot of extra levels and be like, "Oh, he made it up. There was no call or whatever." Because I think yeah, he's, I mean, he's he's changing his plans in this moment kind of a thing. You know, it's like, so oh, well, now, which, I'm, now I'm pot committed. So now we must uh, alter the arrangement. It's framed as if we're seeing like bars on mm-hmm. the windows. The news makes him close the curtains, um, basically like, you know, creating this bubble, trapping them in, whether they both realize it or not. He turns to Kay and tells her that she's officially a missing person that the police are looking for. And and basically, like, this is your fault. And she's like, oh, I can fix this. I can go home. And he's just like, and what are you going to tell him? That you've been here for 24 hours, you know, and that I lied to your mother about it. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I told you I'm not a good liar. And it's like, it's, all, it's all her problem to fix. Well, the, 
the fucking catnip for him to hear mm-hmm. her say, I need your help. Mm-hmm. So he he does this thing where he goes, he needs to think. So he pours two glasses of whiskey, hands her uh-huh. one as he sits down on the couch, and he immediately says, don't drink that. I forgot that you're underage. Uh, it's so either, so, uh. either this is the biggest manipulation on his part, or even worse, the idea that he would forget for one second that she's underage. Neither is a good look, but it's it's so insidious. Uh, yeah, and it's it's again, it's setting a boundary. Don't drink that, but obviously she's going to, you know. And it's uh, but like the sleeping teenagers on your couch. <laughs> if you would have forgotten for one moment that they were teenagers, that is worse, I think. <laughs> Um, so she sits behind him, besides him, and asks, you know, what should what should they, what should they do? And he sets down his jaw, like throws back the whiskey. Uh, so after the commercial, he says he should have called her parents or the police last night. That's on him. Uh, she says no, that her mom hit her. She was. Just, but it's really just, not. He's saying that, so she'll disagree with him. Of and course. I mean, he's, I guess he he's could, making himself the victim, so she'll defend him. Yeah. You you could have a discussion about how calculated is, is this versus like instinctual is grooming, mm-hmm. I guess you know. But yeah, like yeah, yeah. the the result is the same. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think that's a key thing too. Is I don't think everything he does is calculated. He doesn't necessarily need to be like part. an evil mastermind, but it doesn't yeah. excuse his actions either. Yeah, yeah, and also. You know, this is a a fun way to not get swept up in these events is to not, you know, essentially kidnap and statutory <laughs> rape somebody. I, I'm just saying. Um, so she says, you know, sometimes a distraction helps me think. And she says that sometimes when she's stuck on homework problems, she goes for a run, even though that won't help here. So she's just a game like Monopoly, deck of cards. What about never have I ever? And he's like the drinking game. Her flirting is so uncomfortable. It's, it's like she's walking into his trap and like... He, like she thinks she's like being kind of wily and cute mm-hmm. and clever and being like all, you know, I'm a, clearly she's kind of infatuated with this guy and she's going to like a, attempt to flirt with him and suggest that they do a drinking game and whatnot. And he's just like so bashful and like, what are you talking about about it? And then he immediately asks her a question where he like, she has to drink in response, you know, like he's never have I ever, um, what is it? Um, I can't remember what the thing Kissed is. Kissed an older person. No, 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 not not yet. Um, uh, never have I ever been on the ba- debate team because she just oh, told him she was on a debate yeah. team. And so like, okay, well, she has to drink immediately now. You know, it's like you're acting like you don't want to be doing this, but then you immediately get her to start drinking. Well, and, and she's thrilled because she's thinking this is the cute little, little mm-hmm. trap. She, like, oh, I'm falling into your trap, Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. Like she's, she's Aria Montgomery. And like, <laughs> you know, like, like, she thinks that she has the agency here. Um, so he hands her the whiskey, you know, since she knows the rules. Um, she sits beside him, take a step. They make a little face later. They're listening to music. They're eating pancakes. This Smooth is jazz playing. Also, let me Kenny just say G real quick there at a certain point, I think you realize that you're an adult and you don't need to play a fucking game to drink. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a charm to Greg Turner and being drunk by like 2 PM every day. <laughs> I don't need uh, a fucking drinking game. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so she's just like, never have I ever had pancakes for dinner, but you're right. It's the bomb because everything also, was the bomb back pan- then. Pancakes for dinner. That's it's, it's it's like a little bit juvenile. I feel like I feel like it's there. There's like these moments in the episode where they're doing things that are seemingly adult, but also very childlike at the same time. But he's also spinning everything. Everything will become this is our little thing. Mm-hmm. Even the the fucking bananas ass like stuffing recipe also become our little thing yeah Yeah. so we get this interlude from kate in 94 talking to her therapist she says i still feel bad for martin i think because of our friendship before it all went wrong 
And Sylvia's like, friendship happens between two willing parties. Given the power dynamic between you, I wouldn't call it that. And yeah, I mean, Kate she's, says, I, I don't it. think he could help himself, which yeah, may or may not right. be true, but it doesn't excuse him. And that's that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, but like, I love that of all the stuff, because I mean, I, I, I think therapy is to provide guidance and help people get to revelations and understanding themselves and healing on the on their own but i love that sylvie was like no nah, i can't let that slide <laughs> yeah when well, I, I don't know i feel like he could help himself i feel like there are there are many moments as we mentioned where he could have made a different choice and he didn't yeah like he yeah. at some point knew what he was doing you know along the way you know made several decisions here and there to continue this grooming when he, he could have sent her home yeah he didn't want to that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Flat out, he didn't want to. He's 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 weak, you know. <laughs> yeah. He 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 knew what was, you know, he knew the implication, he knew where this was leading. He could have stopped it, he didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh back in the, that 993, they finished they're still drinking, they're sitting on the floor like leaning against the couch. I mean, who knows how much he's had to drink at this point, but she's definitely a little sauce now. Yeah. He asks, you know, how she asks how old he is, he tells her to guess. He does not you know. answer. Yeah old enough to be very wise he says age tends to do that not here buddy um she's like you got to admit i'm wise beyond my years too you were the one who mistook me for an adult at first Mm. he's like oh yeah you're definitely an old soul Mm. so we get into the never have i ever about the road trip um he says that he once took his car all the way from maine down the east coast into florida until the road just ended in key west felt like the end of the earth uh, she's like, well, what made you drive that far? Was it for a girl? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, Ooh, very romantic. I feel like we're uh, going to find out that he was like driving the body of Annabelle or something like that. Like his old, you know, grooming conquest. He's like driving her body to Key West to bury or some creepy shit. You think like, like that. Annabelle's just like, like her, or like her corpse is like in the walls, like uh, Sicario style. I mean, so is this a spoiler? I don't know. There's like the trailer for the finale is like, you know, you see uh martin saying you know this is annabelle this is annabelle and it's like no. is he saying like this is, is it a gun is it a picture yeah. yeah is this is this the old girl this is what happened to her you know this is this is your future kind of thing yeah yeah but I, uh, the, the way they they linger on the key westing here I, I do wonder if this will come up again um there's this shot of him just moving his fingers oh yeah the rim of the glass mm-hmm. It's like there's there there's some cinematic language to this that would be shot like any other cute couple's seduction scene. Well, this um, is one of the things where it really just feels like the director and the editor, like they're feeling it here. Like they know, mm-hmm. like they're on the wavelength. They know exactly what they're doing. But I, these these I, like cutaways here and there. It's like they know exactly what they're communicating. The 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 key word though to the whole style of this episode is precision. Mm-hmm. They take it to a certain line they do not cross it because there's a certain thing we do not see thank mm-hmm. fuck um but like just it's so controlled in a way like it's uncomfortable but like you're supposed to feel a little this discomfort because this is a this is a situation that should fucking shock you um but like in a sick way though because these actors are great you can feel this this fucked up chemistry I mean, between them that's what makes this so uncomfortable because on kate's side of things this is a, a romantic evening. You know, this is, yeah. this is exciting. She's flirting. She's playing a drinking game. And then yeah. you're watching it and just in horror because you, you know where this is going, number one, and you, mm-hmm. you know, he's an adult and like, yeah, it, it's just like, no, this, this should not be a romantic situation. And yet that's, I, I, I think they do. They walk a very fine line between like, not like romanticizing it, but not 
shying away from showing how Kate is reacting to things either because Kate They're Kate thinks she's borrowing in the language right of now. romance yeah. because that's what she's feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and we're meanwhile watching an abject terror. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's just like, "See, I told you, game and relax us." And he's like, "Oh, you're right. We'll figure we'll figure this out." Oh, so she she's like, "Oh, you should visit Key West sometime. It's a wild place. You might need a tour guide." And she's like, "Oh, older, someone wiser." wiser. And he's like, "Maybe, yeah." Yeah. So uh, she says it's his turn. Now he's really getting into it. He's like, never have I ever kissed someone older. Oh, is this is like where he he's he's made a decision here. I'm going to escalate this. You know? So here's the thing that I think a lot of couples do. Adult couples, I should clarify. I feel like we have to clarify every fucking statement we make. Or did, if we do an all aside. disclaimers apply. I feel like people have gotten the message. Yeah. Yeah. But like when you're courting someone, when you're having this kind of fun, playful banter, you're doing that thing where like you have a crush, you think they're into it too, but you're just both send just, out a feeler. Yeah. You're just trying to get the other person to push it forward just enough. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and so he's like, Oh, I've never kissed someone older. And she's like, well, you got me there. Jamie's six months older. So she takes a sip of her drink. And then Martin Harris asks if she's ever kissed someone significantly older. And then we get this incredible close up on her face as she says, no. And you see all of the teenage lust mm-hmm. on her, on her face. And she's like, are you daring me to? And it's, it's really great acting from Olivia Holt because she, she is portraying this like, slightly it's not like sloppy drunk but like you can tell she's a little bit buzzy at, at this point you know like she's she's a little bit out of it and she's trying yeah are you daring me she's like trying to kind of assert herself and it keeps cutting to him and it's i don't know i love, I love that he's got like the five o'clock shadow in it you know mm-hmm. just like the, the little extra to communicate how much older he is mm-hmm. well and, and i think also she's she's got that thing in a way where with adults where you're like i want to flirt but I need to have a drink or two. Mm-hmm. I'll feel more comfortable. I feel a little getting out of my skin a little bit more. But so it's almost like when she says, are you daring me to, it's almost like she's too assertive. She's yeah. claimed too much power. So he smirks and now his power is saying, oh no, I'm only kidding around. You're ridiculously beautiful and smart and everything, but no. And she's well, like, he, well, but he, that would be he, crazy. And he, he says, would it? Yeah, but he, he, so it's like, oh, are you daring me to? And he's just like, no, but then he calls her beautiful. You know, it's like these constant like mixed messages from him. Well, but but she says, would it be crazy? And he's just like, would it? It's like, he doesn't want to back away. Even if like for half a second, he's like, oh, I should back away. He's just ever he's weak. constantly inching a little bit closer there. Yeah. 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 Um, so we cut back to 94 therapy. And Sylvia says, were you afraid of disappointing him? And Kate says, well, I was raised to be afraid of disappointing anybody. And she's just, the way she, Sylvia mournfully looks at her and just says, I'm sure he noticed that about you. Well, and, and I think that the way Kate says that, it's kind of her way of feeling somewhat betrayed by her parents, specifically her mother. Like, this is how I was raised, you know, and like, I, I was never raised to be protective or, you know, alert that somebody could take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. I was never given the tools to survive this, and then on top of it, my parents brought this monster right mm-hmm. into my yeah. Into my and, life. I mean, and she just says as what we've been talking about in previous episodes. You know, like he noticed everything about me. You know, it's like the first time she's you know she felt liked for her. Yeah, he made it, me feel. He seen. made me feel seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you can just tell Sylvia is just like God damn, I've got my work cut out for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, we cut back. To, and it, it doesn't shock me, I guess, with all the rawness pouring out of Kate that some of the stuff she would lose the memory of. It's almost, I think, going to be too much for her to confront, especially as she... I mean, there's there's a thing that happens later in the episode, and we're wondering, is that it, or is there something else? Yeah. Yeah, I 
we're, well, I can't wait till we get to that because I, I had to wonder, like, was this indeed the moment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there time for more moments? Yeah. Um, we cut back to the close up, shared between them in '93. Kate's getting sleepy, and he acknowledges getting late. It's bedtime, he says. He loves telling her it's bedtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we she, hear, like, she turns away, before. and then she kind of turns back, and then just cuts to black. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can guess what happens next, and thank fuck this show didn't actually show them consummating this relationship yeah we don't need to see that but also we you i mean you can guess but it isn't totally clear yet because the next shot it's like it's kind of ominous music it's like empty house and we see kate is like hiding in a closet um and she's kind of like you know like nervous we see martin harris with his like fucking hairy legs and short shorts like walking up the stairs and it's like oh no shot like like uh like a monster yeah like like michael myers yeah hand grabbing the thing mm-hmm. like he shot like this big tall gangly beast just gotta get rid of that iron banister man I'm just saying but uh, uh i i love that like, like again the show's getting playful here and it's fucking with you we didn't need to see a certain kind of tension release the show is teasing you it's it's literally cinematically edging you here with the tension well and it's like uh, oh she's she's hiding from martin and then he opens the closet and he's just like found you and then she like runs into his arms and kisses him and laughs and she's like oh you have to tag me first because they they were just playing hide and go seek and it starts yeah. playing a cover of laid by james Ooh. lol um and it's day 21 we see and she's like in this kind of like i don't know like sundress and she's running through his bedroom as he chases her i love this shot it's like a great like semi-slow-mo shot she's like runs jumps over his bed into the bathroom comes around out the other door and it's like, oh, they're so playful. This is a romance. And it's horrifying. Yeah. Lighthearted chase between lovers is the mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Pains of being pure at heart. Um, and they're Oh, is that who does the cover? Nice. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that feels right. That feels exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So again, Laid by James was on my list as a joke. Because <laughs> it was one of my no, favorite. No Born of Frustration? Uh, by, uh, by James. No, no, no. <laughs> Do you have do you have a list of music? Should we do the list now? Should we? we, we, we let's wait till the end of the episode to get to okay. our, our what nineties needle drop should uh, show up in the finale. I got a you special what, one. What nineties or wet nineties? What? Oh, okay. They can be hashtag, wet too. Yeah. Hashtag wet nineties. Wet nineties. The nineties were not a wet decade. I don't think. Uh, there was surprise. It was surprisingly not as horny as you would think it was. No, because right? we're all fucking terrified of AIDS, man. Wow. <laughs> it's like that was like all our sex education in the 90s like if you have sex you'll die yeah i mean that's what i learned when tlc taught me about safe sex yeah yeah like they, they they died man in that music video the dude died there's you gotta watch there out is, i want to say there's literally a, a a comic book where Def from neil neil gaiman's sandman shows me how to put a, a condom <laughs> on a banana <laughs> Um, so she clearly knows the layout of the bedroom, the bathroom. She doubles around him, falls in downstairs. Uh, she giggles because when they get downstairs, she's all sweaty. And if you haven't gotten it, if you haven't gotten it, he says, Why don't you go run us a shower? And she mouths the word, Okay. It's like, on, You got it, everybody? On the Reddit thread, that was a line that many, many, many people were referencing is just like, I want to fucking barf. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's when, like, it's like, Oh, yeah. In case you hadn't got it from there, like, grab ass and like kissing yeah this is this is a a consummated you know relationship uh statutory rape yeah he's been statutory rape been raping her for probably since day two seemingly yeah i mean that's heartbeat on the score fade to black from like the look on kate's face 
you don't need to see it because again that's not the tension you need relieved that's mm-hmm. not the release that you want it's not healthy um so she goes well, upstairs the, the release like, we get is when she goes upstairs and then like on tv it's like you know there's a news report about kate wallace being missing and mm-hmm. it, it, he just shifts immediately it's like this other mode he has of like this anger you know defensiveness he turns off the tv immediately yeah um and the class photo of her on the screen Oof. Mm-hmm. uh yeah but again the 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 obviously upset of the intrusion of reality, anything mm-hmm. that would shatter this fantasy world he lives in. So to hit it home more, we hear Kate in the shower. Thank God we don't see anything in the shower, but she's singing to herself that beautiful dreamer parlor song. Wikipedia page has, will tell you that has been in many, many movies, including gone off the wind, Shane and American tale. Um, but he enters the room. Every moment with him makes it creepier. Like well, the he's in the mirror things. I, the yeah. way this is shot in this like yeah. kind of like vanity mirror. We see him walking in and then well, he, he comes in and like he like weirdly like closes the doors behind him with this like little smile on his face is about to go join her in the shower. It just uh, yeah. well it, and and the fact that it's like these European style like small thin double doors. So he has to like turn around to us mm-hmm. to shut like it's almost like he's he's throwing it in our face that he's about to go join Kate in the shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then day 30. She's laying in bed, watching him do some ironing. Um, and she's like, don't you want to skip work and stay here all day with me? And also, you know, it's uh, it's kind of fascinating. They're filming this in 2020, like during the height of quarantine. Like there's definitely some quarantine vibes to yeah. parts of Kate's story. Yeah, she's she's trapped in this house. She can't go outside. Yeah, that, that definitely. I think it's impossible not to think that while you're watching this episode of of being trapped inside and. And, you know, he's like, oh, you say that every day, you know, you wish I could stay home. And she's like, because I'm bored. It's like, yeah, no shit. You know, like she's a teenager. She's used to being able to go outside and shit. And it's like, how how long? And I I feel like somebody like Martin Harris has already been thinking. He's been thinking from from day one, like, how does this end? You know, like, and I I feel like what's scary about somebody like Martin Harris is he kind of seems like he has a robot brain where it's like the most like like potentially he's gonna have to kill her you know if 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 his, his primary motive seems to be not getting caught that seems to be what like really sets him off and so like at a certain point he's going to have to dispose of her yeah or, or kidnap her you know and so like i feel like that that's always the danger that, that lurks behind martin's like facade there uh or worse he thinks that they're just he's just going to have her trapped and be his 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 love forever well i mean that's that's the i don't know it's unrealistic that's, that's, i mean that's, the, the, thing that's too. The, the the positive outcome there but i mean the thing here is that it's 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 not just the the, the that she's a, a teenager and how wrong it all is in that level he has wildly immature ideas of her and her like worldview and like like what she'd be fine with and how long she'll put up with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's her homework here. He's like, oh, you're bored. Why don't you go read those well, travel on, guides? Before first, first, even grosser. Earlier when she's talking about her being stuck at home, she says, "I'm stuck watching all this daytime TV for housewives, and I have all this energy." Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, gross. I mean, I know she's not talking about like sexual energy, but still, it's like just wasted in his, his like in like bluebird's castle here but yeah so he's gonna give her homework to um to to 
plan like travel guys he's never had time to read what if she went through them picked a place for them to go and she's like go when he's like when it's safe for us how about your 18th birthday it'll be your homework and so it's like i can't i mean realistically i think part of him consciously thinks okay 18th birthday that's the finish line we just need to get there mm -hmm. but it's like buddy you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. How, how do you, how do you think this, like what happens she on her emerges at 18? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on statutory rape, but still word gets out that you've had this girl. Like you're not, there's no happy ending, pal. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I think he knows it at some level. I think it's always in the Maybe back some of his level. mind. Yeah. Uh, um, so we get the shot of them like making their, you know, king size bed together. She's wearing, a sweatshirt that he was wearing well, earlier. I, I think Olivia Holt's great because at the end of that, that scene, like she seems pleased, but you can kind of tell she gives you this little moment in her face that says, this is maybe like one of the first real cracks. Like, Oh yeah. It it's it's been 30 days. It's yeah. been a ton of fun for her to pretend to be an adult and in this mature relationship, but it's been a fucking month now. And yeah, yeah this is the, the first it's little crack there. Then, um, because that night we see her changing sheets with him, talking to Martin. They're making the bed together. She's done her homework. She says, you know, what if we don't go on vacation? Said we just move somewhere far away like Thailand. And you get this kind of like he thinks like this flirtatious banter where like they're listing off all like the tropical countries they can move to. Well, he's, he's not taking her seriously. Every, yeah, everything about him. He's just kind of like humoring her and like being very noncommittal. He's like, oh, OK, no elephants. Uh, Thailand. Or or saying things even worse, like, oh, you in a bikini every day? Oh, that was the other line. A bunch of people on Reddit were just like, barf. Yeah. But you also get a sense that one of his many, many fetishes is telling her when it's fucking bedtime. Mm -hmm. It's bedtime now. Ooh. And so I, I think as plays out later, part of him is almost sensitive to that, where he is going to start to think that like, oh, she sees me as her dad. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, I don't know if he him. necessarily is. Does it bother him? Maybe sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so then day 34, uh, these quote unquote lovebirds are laying on the couch together. Uh, Kate's telling him about Renee's parents, the Talbots. Hey, it's Renee. So, Got some information <laughs> Renee. about Renee. Yeah. Uh, and they're 15 years apart. And she can't wait till she's older. And so that no one will care about their age difference. And, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. like they're 15 years apart. But when did they meet? You know, yeah. did yeah. they meet? And they're like 20s and 40s or, you know, late 30s. Or do they meet well, when she was a high school student? I don't want to call her out, but there's an actress who plays a character that we've mentioned on a different show in this episode alone who may or may not be dating an actor who's been in a 90s horror movie and also was on, playing a dad on, a, on another teen show right now. They might be together. I don't give a fuck because she's over 30. Like he's 50. She's 30. I, I wouldn't necessarily have that I'm for so me. I'm so confused but about like, who you're talking about, but sure. You know exactly who I'm talking okay. about, don't you? You can tell me off the air. I'm going to just narrow my eyes at you. How about that? Okay. Um, give you a little, a little eye squint. Um, but like, I don't care. She's over 30. It, yeah, you know? it, it's different when they're both adults. <laughs> um, but I also was, this is the, the joke inside of me. When he, she's talking about Renee's parents, I was waiting for him to do his usual refrain of like, I can't know this about my students. <laughs> Which, like, hey, buddy, remember when you were that guy who didn't want to know things about your students? That was wise. Um, so he tells her not to be in such a rush to grow up, which is like, oh, gross. Well, and she's this this scene gave me such strong Ezra vibes because she's like, you know, I, I can't wait till we can be a real couple. My parents already like you. And it's like this. I feel like these exact words came out of Arya's mouth talking to Ezra at some point yeah. on PLL. And it's, oh, man. 
that that will always be a black mark on that show. I think. I just want to get Arya and Ezra and Byron in a room and just watch this episode with them. Oh, and she's like, oh, I, you know, I, I miss my parents. And she's like, I'm sorry you have to choose between them and me. And it's like, well, you probably set up that whole dynamic in her head that like she had to choose, you know, and yeah. realistically she doesn't. And you're yeah. a fucking predator. Well, then, he, then he can, he'll counter with like, I want the world for you. We just can't have it all right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so then ding dong, they freak out a little bit. Like, who could this be? It's a Sunday. He shoes her in the closet in panic mode. She ends up in the same closet where uh, Jeanette was hiding during the Tanya date. Um, <laughs> and outside, it's Greg Turner. And, like, your mind is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> this scene is, is hilarious and fascinating to me. So he pulls on pajama bottoms because he's been in his boxers the whole time, goes to the door. Oh, apparently he does have fucking, like, long pajama pants that he can wear. It's not always, like, got the hairy legs out there. Yeah. And Greg is like, yeah, sorry, my tire blew out. I need to call my wife, um, uh, which also this would not happen today. Like you're not you're not going to <laughs> someone's house. The whole yeah. need to use your phone thing. Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. Well, I mean, even like fucking 10 years ago. I remember some me and my buddies were out like getting Froyo someplace and some like teenager comes up and it's like, can I use your phone to my friend? And my friend is like, no, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, no, sorry. This is like my fucking like cell phone. I'm like, no, you can't have it. Like, that's just yeah. You don't ask people for that anymore. Uh, it's happened to me and mm-hmm. i'm just like no this is this is my life this is my yeah. world this is my grimoire like you, you need to call somebody give me the number i'll call for you seriously like hand you my phone get fucked um martin is like oh i'm sick the house is a mess and greg's like i won't even look and he just like lets himself in jesus fucking christ greg um greg, I, also, I, just, Harris, I have some questions did, about greg in this scene oh okay so the whole scene You've seen this scene before where it's like the undercover cop or the cop who's mm-hmm. like convinced that the guy's guilty. Yeah, yeah. And oh, he's just yeah. Like letting himself over. in. You got uh, two two mugs there. Yeah. But it's it's great turn. But also, Martin Harris, why did you even open the fucking door? Oh, well, and like Martin Harris, like, I don't know. Greg is just like first Martin is a creep, but like he lets him in and Greg notices the two cups and he's just like Oh, dude, do you have like do you have someone over right now? Am I interrupting is, a romantic? Is, is it the night after? Yeah, night after. But he does. He isn't like, oh, hey, man, you know, I, I'm gonna get out of here. Sorry, sorry for bugging you. No. He's just like, I'm gonna like enjoy this. I'm gonna kind of fuck yeah. with you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many stabs of tension here that's mm-hmm. almost absurd. Uh, like the going for the phone, and Martin's like, that one's broken. And Greg, Greg, he's like, no, here, don't here. Yeah. Um, he sees the coffee table and he's like planning your escape and Martin's like what excuse me and then and then Greg's just like oh those are probably for the around the world theme of the school dance yeah Jeanette's been raving about it and again it's like if you just told me that the end of the show the twist is that Greg Turner's got a badge he's been, <laughs> but like, oh but by the way at the beginning of the scene when uh, Greg you know ding dong's on the door Martin Harris like shoves Kate in a closet and is like hide here like kind of like not really like tender or like you know you know, no. nice at all about it. He just kind of shoves her in there. And so she's stuck listening to all this. Yeah. Uh, so Martin's like, I need to get back to bed. And Greg gets a hold of Cindy, presumably tell me about his flat tire and how Martin Harris is nice enough to let him use the phone. He's like walking over. He's like right by the closet that Kate's <laughs> in. And it's like, again, if you just told me that like this was his partner or the police captain on the other end of the line, I'd believe that so much more. Well, the oh way he, Martin, or Greg is just like, oh, I hope I'm not in a, you know, ruining a little romantic morning after. It's like he wants the deets or something, you know, like yeah. it's like he's not just like, oh, sorry, man. I, I didn't realize you maybe had someone. All right. Let me get it. Let me get out of here. He's like, let's talk about it. 
Well, the the weird thing too is we've heard in the community that Martin Harris is considered handsome by mm-hmm. like the ladies of Skyland. He's the like the most eligible bachelor of Skyland, yeah. So this has got to be like something for like Greg and Cindy the gossip doing about a little fishing. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. wondering who's here. Yeah, um, yeah, but so so Martin's like I don't know his his excuse is not bad. He's set up that he's supposedly sick. He's like, oh, no, the other one's from yesterday. I just got a little lazy at the cleaning over the weekend. And Greg's just like, no, you're a total slob, man. I get that. Me too. <laughs> I mean, do you think this plays in at all, maybe even subconsciously, to Greg backing up Jeanette in 94 and 95? Like, does he does he feel any residual guilt oh, it's, for it's, knowing it's very possible. That, it's very possible. that he was there? He was at Martin Harris's yeah. house. Yeah. But I think if the show had more space, you could probably do like 20 of these kind of scenes where mm-hmm. people interacted and might have seen something that later they were like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. I was this close. So Greg finally leaves and like Martin Harris is like freaking out about how that was too close. And Kate's like, yeah, I didn't love being shoved in the closet. And he doesn't seem to care. Yeah. No. So we see him then nailing up big black curtains over the front door, like blackout curtains. Gotta hide. So then cut to day 64. It's Halloween. Yeah carving some pumpkins they're putting some candy in a little pumpkin classic container for the kids the trick-or-treaters outside Kate, yeah she said su- okay. she, she suggested she could wear a mask when trick-or-treaters come tonight like a halloween costume no one even know it's her i like the way she's, he's like, she's holding up a pumpkin in front of her head like, yeah i, don't know, I love that and she just i don't know she's smiling like very winning here but it's very much like this is you're a fucking adult, man. What are you doing? You know, this is like this is a child still. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's it's like, but even her suggesting it, she knows it's a futile gesture. So mm-hmm. like, she knows this is like not. It's like the bloom is off the rose, and it's getting stinkier. Um, but he points out that you know, they know it's not him. So who would they say is under it? Um, so he's already like on some level thinking of the angles mm-hmm. and the perception. He's of always him. thinking of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but again, it's it's the how is how much of it is conscious, how much of it is instinctual? Who cares? He suggests that, and so they they watch scary movies and eat candy. We'll make it fun, like we always do. He says, and she laughs. But you can tell again, it's getting less fun. I mean, how fun can it be? We all know <laughs> we've been in court for a fucking year. We know that like that shit gets old after all. It's great that you can just lounge around and watch Netflix for a while, but eventually, it's like, man, I miss the outside world. Yeah. So he needs to go to get to a PTA meeting. Uh, she asks if the cops are still buzzing around the school. And he's like, not really. The assumption that she's run away out of town. Um, she asks if everyone thinks that. He tells her it's a good thing because if they snoop around and find her here. It'll look pretty bad for both of us, mm-hmm. he adds. But yeah, she says it looks pretty bad. And he says for the both of us. Yeah. And so it's, he's, he's already planting that idea in his mind. that like, well, you're somehow culpable in this, too. And she forces her to say that she knows and that he's right. So 94, um, close up on Kate in therapy as Sylvia asks, like, what do you think kept you from walking out that door? And Kate says, you know, Martin made it very clear that she had to choose between him and the outside world. and She couldn't have both. And for a long time, she chose him. Um, so 93, I think, man, this is the thing in any relationship, any healthy relationship. Ultimatums, not great. Yeah, yeah. Like forcing your, I mean, it's great when your partner chooses you over something else, but like forcing your partner into a choice where you're one of the options, not great. You're just setting your, yourself and your partner up for failure. Um, 93 in Halloween, 
we see the outside of Martin Harris's place with like the lit up jack-o'-lanterns and the candy help dish yourself. and the written yeah. sign. I mean, ironic, help yourself, mm-hmm. Martin. Um, inside, we see that there's a fire going. They set up a tent in the living room with a string of lights around, which well, they like, watch old black and white horror movies. The blanket for it. This is like, this feels like something you do when you're nine. You know, like. I mean, under very different circumstances, potentially romantic. Potentially. Yeah, uh, but but in you know, two consenting adults, sure, maybe. But like yeah, when yeah. one of them is still a child, it, it starts to feel real creepy. Yeah. So Kate's voiceover, we had this unspoken rule. We knew that we were do what we were doing was wrong, but we never talked about it. We suspended disbelief. So we see them cuddling and watching this movie, and she's like, How does this end? And he's like, The movie? And she's like, No, our bubble. It can't go on forever, Martin. And she stresses that she means, you know, that they can, the bubble can't. Well, the, the ironic maturity of her realizing that and him yeah. trying to get her to stop thinking about it. Yeah. So he kisses the top of her head, suggests they just watch the movie. We can hear the like old timey score and like a woman screaming and like in the space between these, this is like, just growing between these two, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 94 in therapy, cases of Sylvia, like by Halloween, I was ready to have real conversations. And she was, Excuse me, done suspending her disbelief, but Martin wasn't. She's funny. It's it's funny, she says, you know, prior to her time with Martin, she, she said that she hated that her family acted one way in public, another way at home. And then she says, and then I ended up living a secret life at his house. I guess funny is the wrong word. Mm-hmm. Oof. Day 89. It's Thanksgiving. It's it's a, it's a fancy dinner. They got the gold wear out. And it's, yeah. it's like, I don't know, there's something that TV and film always captures, like the, the awkwardness where it's just like you just hear a lot of silverware on plates you can just you can just tell like something is amiss in the relationship because of how much clinking there is um and kate is like mentioning like i i presumably he's told her that like they won the big game or whatever and kate's just like oh ben holloway must be you know his gloating must be insufferable because skyland beat medford last week and he's like i had noticed like any any mention of the outside world to him like annoys him you know like she brings up her I mean- parents like have you seen him around and how are they holding it's up? Interesting that your take on the Ben Hollowell thing is that that he told her. I feel like she maybe read the paper. That's possible. The, yeah, something. maybe maybe he gets the paper delivered or something. It's like the way he plays it off. I, I feel like he's just not going to engage. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to in his mind. They're not going to talk about the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, or she saw it on TV, even maybe. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I've been buried in work. Um, mm-hmm. So she takes a, a bite of stuffing and pauses. Do you think, in like this do you think Ben Holloway ever had a I don't want your life moment? With his father, because this is Texas after all, I and mean, we all know how that goes in the nineties, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't know much about Texas. You're, you, you're not getting my varsity blues reference. Oh, I am. I just okay. I'm not gonna. I'm okay. not gonna talk about Texas. I don't know anything about it. Mm, okay. Um, how great is Chris Evans in uh, not another teen movie? <laughs> I've never seen it personally. I don't want your wife. <laughs> he he's the one who does the fucking uh, whipped cream bikini. Okay, nice. <laughs> He's 40 today. Do you know that? Cool. I had to learn that Chris Evans is slightly younger than me. That was something. You're older than Captain America. Yeah. Huh. That's something. Um, How old is Anthony Mackie? Let's see. There you go. Googling. Googling. It's good radio. Googling. 42. There you go. Still got it. What'd you think of Loki? It's fine. I enjoyed it. Good chemistry between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. I don't really care about the Loki character. The mm-hmm. The episode is like very much set up. So I'm kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued. We'll see. You know, I'm glad the setup is, is over, but it's funny because it felt like 
it took them so fucking long in that episode to get to like concepts and like sci-fi setups that like like better writers and doctor who would do in 15 minutes there's a doctor who fan going off I, I felt like a lot of it was like look we know that you're used to a loki who's had all this character development but we're having to go mm-hmm. back in time to this other one so we got to speed run him through his character development to kind of like catch him up to get into marginally the same place but i don't know i'll keep watching it's enjoyable yeah i don't know it's just it was rough to have him like watch the movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean like as much as he's problematic, like sub Stephen Moffat writing. Anyway, um, she takes a bite of the stuffing and like pauses a small way. You can tell that something's wrong. She says, you didn't expect apples in the stuffing since her mother never made it that way. Who the fuck puts apples in stuffing? You monster. He tries to placate her saying that they can make their own stuffing a special way that no, that they both like new traditions. Ugh. Um, and her voiceover is just like, he wanted me to pretend that everything I needed to be happy exists in the house inside of him at all times. And then we get the Christmas Eve in 93. She's just laying in bed. This shot, like overhead shot of her lying in bed, completely despondent. I feel like we've all been there during quarantine. 2020, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. Yeah. And it's it's clear that like the the uh the bloom is off the rose, the magic has worn off, the fantasy is no longer tenable. She's like clearly depressed. I think he says that she's like been in it's like 4 p.m. and she's still in bed. Yeah, mm-hmm. clearly uh, this isn't working. Crushing it. Um, yeah, her voiceover says that by Christmas Eve, the homesickness was crushing. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he's brought her like chamomile and like like snowman cookies. Again, he's like treating her like a child. Um, and so, especially 2020, when he says you you've been in bed all day, it's 4 p.m. And she's like, what even is time? What even is time? I love that 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 hit deep. <laughs> I love that he's got like a little rose in a, a glass of water there, which like uh-huh. in different circumstances could theoretically be romantic, but here it's just, uh... mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he figures that she must be hungry, so he says he'll make whatever she wants. She says she wants a soft pretzel, like they have the mall. She misses the mall and the she movies, the, mall. the buttery popcorn and the candy. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Well, we watch movies," and she's like, "I miss the mints that they give at the restaurants in the mill. I miss sunlight on my skin and other people, but mostly the mall." So he tells I, I her to, felt this like deep in my soul. Yeah, yeah. He tells her to stay in bed as long as she wants, and that you know he's going to go run some last minute Christmas errands. So where does he go? But the mall. We hear like the Salvation Army Santa ringing his bell. I really got to wonder, like, did they have like two hours to shoot at the mall or something? Because like the last scene at the mall when Jamie was drunk, it was like dusk. And here it's Mm -hmm. also dusk. You know, it's like, did they have to do some guerrilla filmmaking like one day at the mall or something? Or like, I I love the vibe. It's like this kind of like windy, you know, like overcast, like dusk, like sunsetting. Like, I, I totally love this vibe visually. I'm just really curious like did they did they specifically want this or did they just have like a certain amount of time to film there uh more importantly i think since i don't believe they were filming this in december they capture what effectively feels like a december in texas right here mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to be snowy it just it feels cold it like it yeah i don't know it just it works um and then the time of day because we know it's after 4 p.m so he's walking up the mall and of course boom baby there's jeanette well, Jeanette she just got like, her bike from the bike rack. She kind she of smiles when she sees him, and I think it's because she's like, "Oh shit, he finally left his house. I can go break in. I'm gonna like haul ass over there right now." Well, and they're so fucking good about painting her between her '93 and '94 looks. Yeah, she's uh, glasses, no off. glasses. Her, her hair's still a little baby. Hair's still lipstick. a little bit crimped. Yeah, but she's yeah. Mm-hmm. 
She's got her like lipstick. eight hoodie on. Yeah, dark jacket of a hood. Looking devious as fuck. And dare I say, a little hot. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Um, rise off, presumably knowing that she can break in his house for a little bit. So this shot, or this this sequence here, I fucking love. It's it's I don't know, man. Like it's not that I feel empathy for him here, but I feel it's, like this is a very human moment. Th- th- this whole episode is filled with dramatic irony because suddenly there's all these sirens, like these cop cars pull up, these, these cops get out, and he turns around and he's thinking like, oh, fuck, they got me. And he like starts to raise his hands and then the cops just run right past him. And he's just like, yeah. oh, that was a freebie, you know, but also yeah. it's like it's just another reminder of the the guillotine that's been hanging above his head ever since he started this, uh, you know, criminal relationship. And, you know, we're going to get the result of that the next time he sees Kate here. But, I mean, is it a sobering moment that makes him change things? No. It, I mean, it, no. yeah, it, the reaction is not. Um, yeah, it's just a doubling down. Uh, but, yeah, so I mean, this hurt. is, I got, like, the whole vibe. I just, I love this, like, overcast, the windiness. Like, it's just, it's so cool. Back at Martin Harris's house, uh, Kate comes down the stairs, place is decorated for Christmas. There's a movie playing on TV. It's Penny Serenade from 1941, starring Cary Grant and Irene Dunn. There's a snow globe on top of the TV we see as she grabs the cordless phone. Uh, she picks it up. She starts dialing. She calls Jamie's private number while playing up the snow globe and winding it up. I love that the TV is like this massive thing instead of like a wood paneled case. <laughs> yeah. I had one of those. I had one of those giant ass TVs. I had one of those TVs that were so big that they sat on the floor. Do you remember that was a thing? Your TV would be on the floor if it was big enough? I remember. We never had a TV that big. I feel like we went from the fucking like 27 inch CRT to a, um, I don't know. Do you remember like the, the what do they call it? DLP, like the projection TVs? Yeah, do you remember those? We, yeah. we went from like the tiny little CRT to the projection TV. I wasn't crazy about mm-hmm. those. Um, I, I don't like the weaker colors, but like, uh, I think about sometimes the, um, the idea that like like the way human brains think and our culture change with the advent of like the Gutenberg press mm-hmm. and the it's so like dude we just we think in a different ordered way or or even like the Iliad like the writing of the Iliad changed the way we think because of how stories are told etc like we used to look down at our floor at some <laughs> TVs and now we look up at the wall halfway through it's got to be better for our necks. Um, so we hear the outgoing message on the image like you reach Jamie's private oh, line. Did you, you know see what the number do? she dials? No. Uh, so she, I mean, she only dialed seven digits. So I don't know what's going on here, but she dials one, four, three is like the first three letters or well, first three digits, which I found amusing because I don't know if you like, remember pager codes back in the day, but one, four, three means I love you. What I mean, I don't know if you remember, but that was, that was all you had to dial. If you were on a landline calling your same area, code. Oh, you, you dialed seven numbers. Yeah. Yeah. You only had to dial seven numbers. Mm-hmm. So presumably they're saying that that's the local. Oh, you wouldn't dial there. one, but yeah, sure. Whatever. Or that they're arguing that that's the prefix, I guess. So I don't think one would be the mm-hmm. prefix. You're right. Anyway, so outside, Jeanette pulls up, sets her bite down, glances around. There's some great close-ups of like devious Jeanette. In this well, it's, this is like a very much like posing for the camera thing where she like, it's yeah. like she like turns around and like takes her hood off to like let the camera see. Oh, look, it's Jeanette. And then she's going to like go to the house. And, and again, like uh, Alexis Ostrander, like, is not letting any of these actors down. Like Jeanette looks great. Like what she's like the way she's framed. I mean, it just fucking works. I mean, every it's like kind of a hero shot, but not at the same time. Like, yeah, it's something about the way yeah. that he frames her. It's like, it's kind of perfect for this moment. Cause this is, this is the fucking moment. Maybe. Right. Like, is, yeah. is this potentially the, the crux of the whole series? I was like, this is the I was moment like, where Jeanette sees Kate. 
I was like tapping my knees watching mm. this the other night, being like, oh shit, we're here, baby. We're fucking here. I didn't think we would be here in episode nine. But like, uh, uh, I, I, I get like the weird negative spidey sense tingling whenever like a man says that a, a woman's performance is brave i just want to say like i feel like both blakely and olivia holt are super fucking brave with the material that they're acting out and like the writing and the directing never lets them down but even with jeanette here holy well, shit i anyway, read so, that they uh they shot this in sequence too oh, which is probably like not typical for a tv show i mean i don't think that's like you're getting in sequence I mean, means I, they they shoot like literally like yeah they, they shoot the script from page one to, to the end not like like you know sometimes they'll like shoot like the foot you know end scene first because it's easier by locations yeah. yeah i mean when you have pretty much one location it's 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 easy to do it probably linearly but like uh i, I can only imagine that was like you know like you said they, they they did rehearsals for this episode which is unheard of I, I can only imagine it was just in service of the very important story they're telling because it's not like we're watching um hair change or or what have you, you know what i mean because i think well, a lot of kate's hair in, in 93 has been like a wig oh it's definitely yeah but i mean they, and i think they like they must have known when they had the script like this this is a special episode we need to give it a little bit of extra tlc yeah yeah um so, so and I, I don't know I, I like i feel like we could spend a half hour just talking about this sequence here where kate is on the phone she's called right jamie out. Yeah. We know Reason. she's called Jamie because she picks up the snow globe that it's like Martin Harris's snow globe and she like winds a little thing in the base of it and it starts playing the uh, Alden Aldlingson uh, song. And so you're getting just, mu- this is what's score. on the voicemail that we got in the previous yeah. episode. You've got movie score. You've got the music from the snow globe. You've got uh, Irene Dunn and Cary Grant saying to death do us part. And then key into lock. Another close-up of Jeanette's excited face as she lets herself in. Kate's shocked, especially she hears Jeanette saying, hello? And she's like kind of momentarily like caught in those like curtains as Kate just like books it upstairs. When she runs like literally right past the front door. There's curtains in front of the front door now. So like when Jeanette is opening the door, she's not going to see this. But like Kate runs right past up the stairs and like kind of hides upstairs around the corner. And And Jeanette's inside. I got to wonder about Jeanette because I feel like humans have this like weird sixth sense where we can we kind of know when someone is there you know or if like someone's just left the room it's like, like we're being it's like a watched. weird thing where we can tell you know and like yeah. i wonder if like that's setting off any of jeanette's like antennae right now as she when you see it cuts the commercial and then back from commercial kate is watching from upstairs and is probably just like what the fuck you know like who is this woman who's in the house so it's jeanette um, I don't think there's enough. I mean, they haven't had enough interactions for her to recognize. I don't think she can see this Jeanette yet, but she knows someone's yeah. in the house. And downstairs, we see Jeanette walk in and just pick up that snow globe, which was right there where Kate set it down. And well, and, and the, the fearlessness of Jeanette, too, because I feel like if this was me for some reason, hearing just the TV on would give me pause. Well, she might not have heard it, I guess, you know. I mean, it's, it seems like it's pretty loud. Anyway, so she she goes picks up the snow globe, then hears the creaking floorboards of Kate upstairs. She then like runs outside, gets her pike, or like she kind of well, like she, does a look upstairs. But she yeah, she she runs to the foyer, looks upstairs because that's where the sound came from, and then she like hurries outside. She's got the snow globe with her, so she takes it with. Kate's her. around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find when Kate comes down, we find she finds the dropped "You Go Girl" necklace. Here's the thing, and again. I know that like memory and trauma are are 
linked, but also completely different because, because your memory is constantly a story you tell and it's being rewritten every moment. But like trauma is like you literally unable to escape a moment. But like, I'm sorry, Kate, you did not hold gazes. Well, we don't know if this is the same moment that she's kind of altered in her memory when she's telling the police or if there's another moment. I guess. I and guess so, we'll, we we need to wait and see. I've seen a lot of people online were like, "Fuck Kate!" Like, yeah, sure, you got kidnapped, but how dare you like accuse Jeanette? But like, we don't know. You know, there's still one episode left, so we don't know yet whether or not there are other moments that may contribute to that memory. Which was my first thought after after watching this scene. I was excited going into it, and then I thought, okay, well, this is not the moment. I thought part of me thought Jeanette would come back later in the episode in some fashion. Um, but also, yeah, the internet's been very interesting because I feel like I've seen, you know, for weeks now, a lot of anti-Jeanette stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, man, how much one episode can turn certain people against Kate? Um, well, you know, they, in an episode where she's being literally shown as the victim of this predator. Yeah. Well, they, they, they say that uh, TV shows teach you how to watch them. And I feel yeah. like so far we've been taught that we should have empathy for these characters, that yeah. that one of them is not a villain any more than the other. Now it's possible that that's all in service of pulling the rug out from underneath us in episode 10. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I'm not drawing any judgments against Kate right now about this. And, and because there may be more that she's referring to when she says that she saw Jeanette. I mean, I suppose it's possible that like she couldn't tell the cops that she saw Jeanette while she was walking about quote unquote free in the house. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But it's also possible that she's mixing up this event. Like, okay, she knows that Jeanette broke in here because she found the necklace, and maybe there's another thing that happens later. Um, also, uh, there's another detail we haven't got to yet. So um, she knocks off the lights. So yeah, she, light, she picks lights. up the the necklace. She's like, "Oh, it's a you girl, girl girl necklace." Like she's probably thinking, "Oh, that's Jeanette's." She turns off the lights, um, and she looks goes over the window. Yeah, goes to the window. Outside, we see. Uh, Jeanette has already rode away on her, her bike. We've already seen her like get on her bike and ride away. Yeah. And yet she looks out the window and then we see a, just a figure like cloaked in shadow riding away. And um, I, I heard it in the episode and I thought it, and then like it's in the subtitles too. So it must be important. It says card clicking and bicycle spokes. We can hear that click, click, click of a mm. card and bicycle spokes, which suggests that it's Mallory's bike that is out there. And if Kate, or, or I'm sorry, if Jeanette had already rode away on her bike, does this suggest that Mallory was there and is perhaps following Jeanette and was there and that maybe that is what Kate Can saw? you see Jeanette's bike? What do you mean? Can you, can you see that the car is not in Jeanette's bike? Um, well, I mean, we see, so it, we're winding a little bit. Like when yeah. Kate is still upstairs, Jeanette goes outside. She's got the snow globe. She gets to her bike. She rides away. I feel like Jeanette I'm like, comes downstairs. She picks up like the I, necklace. She turns out I, the lights. She looks outside and sees someone riding away. I feel like I'm like, uh, if you're just tuning in live, I'm with special correspondent James Taylor, who's mm-hmm. going live by live, live footage. Or, like, I mean, like Anderson, earlier, what do you see earlier? Do you see when she sets the bike down? Is there any chance that the card is in this bike? I mean, I can look, but I, it's 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 like a different it's, bike. I I don't see it. I, you know, it's dark, so I can't say for sure. But I don't see it on the wheels of Jeanette's bike. Let's put it that way. Because because obviously we have to know that at some point after this, 
that snow globe goes from Jeanette to Mallory. Mm-hmm. What we don't know is, could there have been a, a Jeanette Mallory sequence before this? I think Mallory either came with Jeanette or followed Jeanette. Right. And is going to confront Jeanette at some point after this. And that's when the snow globe exchanges hands. And whether I mean, like, or not that means Jeanette figured something out or came back later, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But like Mallory is a linchpin here in some way or other, it feels like. But my, my point is the way, you know, your comment about how the show teaches you how to watch it. They reordered time slightly at the beginning of this where we don't get any of the dialogue of when Kate shows mm-hmm. up to Martin's. Like, like you know, kind of like the yeah, start yeah. of, uh, was it the third born movie where you find out that like it takes place within like the end of the previous movie in this weird way oh boy but, like, do i not uh, remember those movies good for you mm-hmm. but uh my, my point is like we see this little sequence of Jeanette. like it could be buried and embedded in a whole other storyline in this time period with mm-hmm. mallory and her like you said she could go she could go from the mall to mallory's and say i'm going to martin's if you want to break in can i or something like that. i don't know if this counts as a spoiler or not you may want to jump 30 seconds ahead. All I can say is this. Somebody who's, who has seen the finale messaged me and just said, holy shit. I don't know what that means. I have no further information, but we'll see. Who messaged you? I'll tell you after the episode. Okay. Um, so Sylvia voiceover. Why didn't you tell Martin about the necklace and about Jeanette? Kate's voiceover. I thought about it, but I liked having a secret from him. We see her put it in her pocket there presumably somehow she was able to hang on to that through her captivity. Yeah. Um, he's like got all these presents for her, like way too many presents for Including her. Including a soft pretzel, but it's cold now. Yeah. He's going to heat says, it up, but it's not the fucking same, man. It's not the same as a warm pretzel for like fresh off the, uh, metaphor, whatever yeah. they make pretzels. Yeah. Yeah. Kate voiceover, a secret of my own without him, without anyone in on it. Ooh, title felt drop like power. Yeah. Felt like power. Oh, so all the titles come from dialogue. It's very weird. Not weird, but it's 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 the thing with the show. It's uh, it's the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and we get this line from Kate, and she says, "You know, it felt like power." And, and Sylvie says, "It's possible on some level you were hoping Jeanette would alert the authorities. That way, you would be forced to part, so you wouldn't have to leave him yourself." Which is, I think, painfully accurate, most likely. Mm-hmm. You know, she, and and it it's entirely possible that that's all kind of tied up in the kind of psychological trauma and why she's blaming Jeanette. It's like, why, why didn't Jeanette, you know, if she knew I was there, bail me out of the situation. Yeah. Well, so here's, here's where it gets, you know, back to Martin Harris being gross. Mm -hmm. You know, she says that she's going to go to bed early and he says, Oh, anxious for Christmas morning to open your presents from Santa. Sorry. I mean, from me. Uh, And it's like, Ooh, buddy. It's like, I, I think, I think on some level, He's uncomfortable with this idea that he's fatherly. If, if to you her. keep running into those awkward situations, yeah. maybe you yeah. shouldn't be "quote unquote" dating a high school student. You know, like, yeah, yeah. There's, gets, there's a reason it's awkward, buddy. Yeah, it's getting grosser, but it's also becoming more apparently what it is. Mm-hmm. And she says she doesn't feel well. So at night, we see Kate laying in bed on her side, like staring out. He's laying next to her, facing the other way, and she's like, in her voiceover, she says, "Well, I did leave once." He's sleeping. She like slips out of bed. Um, and then we see her like later, she's outside her old house, like watching her parents through the window and that, that newly decorated dining room. This There's, is like, a just Christmas the, tree in there. The real tragedy of the episode here, because yeah. she, she happens to see her parents at a moment where they're laughing 
to each other. Yeah. And I, I like how she's got this like the skies on or she's like got like the like a beanie, you know, like a black mm-hmm. beanie on. And she she sees her parents laughing inside and it's just like, oh, OK, they're they're fine without me. I can't go back to them. And she's like crying. On. Yeah. yeah. And she like runs away. And if if she had just stayed a minute longer, she would have seen her mother break down in tears. But she didn't. And I, I seen so many posts on Reddit just being like, stupid Kate, you should have stuck around longer. It's like, well, she hasn't read the script. OK, like she didn't know that. All, yeah. all, you know, she saw one thing and, you know, that shit happens. Yeah. Inside the laughter dies down, as Joyce says. She doesn't think she's actually laughed for four months. Her body aches. She misses Kate so much. And Rod, I mean, God, fucking Rod Wallace. This fucking my Rod, heart breaks man. This man. He's just like, I just picture her coming in and saying, hi, daddy. And like he misses her laughter in the house. The way he so hits Joy, the high note with hi, dad, yeah. that kills me every time. And, and Joy wants to cancel Christmas dinner because she doesn't have it in her, which I feel like is a huge fucking deal for these two. Well, like, like the idea that they would cancel the facade. God, I can't even imagine inviting like a bunch of people to my house on Christmas dinner with this shit going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so Rod has her like come sit in his lap. And he just like holds her. And it's like, you kind of see how they might have gotten through the post affair revelation is because they lost something and like, they're just clinging to each other throughout it like you know some mm-hmm. couples like they lose like a child and they, they fall apart it's like these two it's like they're just holding on to the space in between them well, you can even them together you can even think about the wallpaper and like kate was obviously like you know when she saw that in 94 it's just like oh great you guys are redecorating but like you could uh, you could picture that from the character's perspective here where like joy's just like breaking down and like them having wallpaper done because it was like maybe something that was like on their list of things to do and they're so numb that they don't know how to not do it you know like it's like rod says he he learned to cook because he needed to do something with his hands and his head yeah i mean we literally saw rod wallace just like fall asleep sitting up Mm -hmm. on the couch waiting for her to come home so it's like you can just imagine like the the deep end of the ocean-esque whatever that book slash movie, like the way this has affected them. I don't think we even need to get much more into it besides this. So Kate, let's well, I, mean, I think with Joy, like we, we've seen, we've seen a ton of moments of Joy on the show where she seems kind of horrible and kind of awful. And yet we see her here too, where she's clearly like a devastated mother. I mean, I think this show is really telling us that like nobody is just one thing, you know, Joy mm-hmm. might have her flaws, but she's so human and relatable in this moment. Well, in the last Kate episode, like I said, she, you don't have to like joy. You don't have to agree with her, but the show is going to say to you, this is why she did this mm-hmm. agree or disagree. Like she's a human being, like she cares about her daughter and it doesn't always come out in the best ways. Uh, so Kayla herself back into Martin's house, undresses again, gets back into bed, has to process all of that. As she faces Mars's Martin sees him sleeping and her voiceover says, you know, see my, my parents happy while I was missing. It made me realize why I ended up in Martin's doorstep in the first place. Sylvia mm-hmm. says it ripped open old wounds. So we pan over to Martin's face and wait for a moment. Then his one eye shoots open. It's like the sound effect stab on the soundtrack. Well, and he's Oof. pretending to be asleep. He's already plotting potentially like what he, he might how to use this. Yeah. How to use this, what he, what he might need to do. Cause he's anytime anything intrudes on his fantasy, he kind of, he completely flips, you know, he, he switches from being like the cool guy boyfriend to this like very angry aggressive person and he's probably already calculating right now like what he will need to do like i'm sure the idea is entering his mind here about Mm -hmm. like well kate can't leave again Mm -hmm. so day 119 it's christmas morning 
Martin Cater opening presents. He's got one more for her. It's a pearl necklace. I was like, totally expecting this to be. What is the book to Ezra Gazaria? Oh, Winesburg, Ohio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for when you need to leave. Uh, no, instead, he gives her Bruce Wayne's mother's pearls. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, you want to go see Dyke Flittermouse or something? Um, yeah, or Mascazaro. So uh, apparently she's wearing pearls in her interview with Marsha Bailey. Maybe they're the same pearls. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Could, Ouch. Could, I mean, th- there's, a, there's a lot, lot you could dive into there about like the way that Kate, as much as she feels victimized and abused and you know all the other things by martin harris it's hard for her to divorce the idea that like at some point she did think that she loved martin harris the craziest fucking wish list slash theory that i've seen online was somebody it's like well, whatever the evidence whatever the events of uh, episode 10 they die down and like kate leaves town and she's like she's 18 now and she drives off somewhere and she goes to key west and then it was like basically like the person had this whole ending of Shawshank Redemption thing where Martin Harris is just <laughs> oh, on a beach. Oh, God, no. And it wasn't like, in the theory, it was like, it's not romantic, but it's like they confront each other, you know, this other place. Does like, she then shoot him? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, it's like, that this how is Annabelle two- bitch and like blows him away. Yeah. It's how season two picks up. It's like, bam. <laughs> um, so she says, you know, she loves it, has him help her put it on. They say Merry Christmas to each other. We see this fascinating shot later of just her wearing a red dress like looking herself in the bedroom we've seen this red dress before from one of her like kind of like triggered episodes but so i guess the idea is that in her mind she's going to begrudgingly kind of double down herself like she's going to try to well she went to her or the facade she went to her to see her parents they seem fine and happy without her and so it's like she's kind of like reinvested in this relationship she seems happier than she has been in months here basically or she's trying to be yeah trying to be yeah uh, so then it's dinner time um he tells her that she looks stunning he's such oh, a my- he's such a bastard that he stays quiet he knows that she left and he stays quiet like waiting he, like she's so happy and he's waiting to like stick it to her here's my weird theory about the word stunning i don't feel like normal people say stunning, stunning? i feel like it's something like creeps on the internet say is it i don't know i mean i feel like if you're I, I in a relationship like, with someone you say you look beautiful you know like you look beautiful yeah. you look gorgeous stunning yeah, is like I, a uh it, it, like there's a, there's like wiggle the room stunning. i guess in stunning you know like i see the word stunning whenever an actress or or like a, a, a someone on twitter some young woman posts a picture of themselves mm-hmm. and it's like you look at the replies and there's like some creep who's just like stunning i'm trying to remember speaking of news radio that like there, there's like a bit where Vicky on that show is like saying like, like cute means like pretty and short, like elegant means pretty with a big nose. Like it's like there's all these like kind of like, mm. you know, meanings of all the different Euphemisms. descriptions there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he tells her she looks stunning because he's a creep and that she says she could live off these potatoes. And he's like, oh, they're family recipe. And he says, you know, you seem different, better than how you're feeling. And she's like duh it's christmas and he's like is that the reason and i love the way olivia holt says yeah and he's like oh no i have to fucking stick it to you because i know you left and i've been like he's probably been like chill about it all day and like not letting on that he knows and now he's gonna like completely stick it to her and like he's like oh do you feel guilty for sneaking out on me you harlot oh shit he knows Mm -hmm. um 94 therapy kate says christmas was the first time i was truly afraid of him and Sylvia says, well, he was running out of tools to manipulate you with. Ugh. So 93, he asked where she went 
and Kate says, you know, don't be mad. And then this is the creepiest part. Oh, she yeah. sits back in the chair, chewing in that for a beat. And he says, I will decide when I'm mad and when I'm not. Wow. Um, yeah. So he asks again where she went. And she says she went to her house. And he's like, you live here. So she says her old house didn't go in. Just watched her parents from outside. No one well, saw not, her. She came right the back. The way he says you live here, it's like a command. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or like he's upset that he has to mm-hmm. remind her. So he asks if she knows how bad it would be for him if someone saw. And she says she she does know. Oh, so it's all like, her. It it's anyway. all making her feel guilty about what would happen anyway. to Did me. Did you even consider me at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She says she's sorry because it's hard because he gets to go to work in the store and see people. And she's stuck in here suffocating. And he's like, oh, being with me is suffocating. It's like he's just like trying to twist it all back on her as, as much as he can. And she's like, well, no, the circumstances and the hiding and she can't stand it. And he's upset about that, saying he does everything he can to make it wonderful for her here. So uh, she doesn't think that one place can be anybody's whole world. Hello. God thank you. damn. Yeah. I don't think one place can be anybody's whole world. Holy shit, Kate. Welcome to 2020. Well, but also in general, you can't get everything you need in life from one person. Yeah, seriously. Like you, you like that cannot be a relationship. They're, like it, yeah. it will absolutely fail. If, if it was yeah. a real relationship, these are two consenting adults, you know, like that will not work. I mean, I feel like honestly, even if like you're in a happy, great relationship and then something happens like that Twilight Zone episode with the guy in the, the vault and the books and the world ends and you're the only two people left on the planet. I f- still feel like you're going to break up because all you have is each other. Right, at the very least, you need to be able to, to like go outside and do your own thing for a while. Yeah. 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 Your own time. It, it's, it's why you have friends. It's why you have work. It's why you have ecosystems that don't include just your partner. And then you can bring that healthfully back into your your shared world with them. Anyway, mm-hmm. Mark, he tells her she can't do that again. Yeah, you can't do that ever again. Can't, and she's like, I can't ever go outside again. He's like, no, not until you're 18. You know the stakes here. And she's like, that sounds a lot. limitations is. Like... She turns 18. He, he announces the world. Guess what world? I've had this woman. I've been, you know, in this relationship. We've been consummating. It's been physical. I mean, is it like, oh, shit, he's free from prosecution? I don't know. I mean, I, You know what I'm glad about? We have not yet gotten a tweet or email from anyone being like, well, actually, the, you know, the laws of consent in uh, Texas and the 90s or no, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's not the point. Yeah. I don't want to hear about the tenor scale, and I don't want to hear about the laws of consent. Fucking Transformers Four, where he like pulls out like the laminated card that he, he has in his wallet about Romeo like, and Juliet Romeo laws. And Juliet laws or some what the shit fuck? Like How did that get past like like Warner Brothers executives and mm-hmm. become a fucking thing in a movie? Um, yeah, Kate says that sounds like a lot, and he's like, "Like what? Like I'm your dad?" And she's like, "No, it sounds like you're my kidnapper." I saw a quote from Olivia Holt where she was like kind of theorizing that like this was the first time he thought about being her kidnapper. Like he hadn't really considered it until now, which maybe, maybe not, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. the, the idea is if it wasn't before, it's definitely implanted in his brain now. Well, like, so like Blake Lee had said, you know, here's the thing about playing a villain. No villain thinks of themselves as the villain. Mm-hmm. Like, but I think especially in this particular case, he thinks he's like the, the prince in this fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I think the thing that's been bothering him is this idea that she might look at him as, as like a dad figure. Um, so it's like at some level, he's known this is wrong. Like his subconscious. He knows. Like yeah. He's, he's not unaware that this is morally corrupt. Yeah. 
But that's the thing is, I think there are people who aren't aware and that is, that is a sickness. And that is something, you know, those people need help and they need to not have access to, to people who could be hurt by their delusion. Um, yeah. yeah he's, I'm a big fan of treatment. He's making choices and uh, she takes the, the, he's like, is that what you want? And she takes the pearl necklace off and she sets it on the table and she's like, yeah, I, you know, I want to leave. And he says, I don't believe you. And she's like, well, too bad. I'm going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tough titties. I'm leaving, buddy. Uh, maybe not going home, but I'll figure it out. And he asked her to reconsider. He plays his last card here. Like, not only, you know, like if people found out my career would be over, my life would be over. Also, you're not going to look very good about this either. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not going to tell anyone. And he still is sticking it to her. So he, he like tries to make her feel bad because people were looking for her while she lived here. And she's like, I'll deal with it. I just want to go. So she goes off looking for her suitcase saying she'll pack everything she came and it'll be like she was never there. So he jumps in front of her and he's like, Kate, please don't do this. I was, I was there for you. No one else was. I took you in. We, we love each other, mm. but she's resolute. She wants that suitcase. Thank well, it's God. like he clearly, he says we love each other, but he, he doesn't truly care about her. He's, he only reacts to situations where he could get caught and find out like all of, all of his actions are related to, the uh the level of uh, threat that he's under you know he's he's not really worried about her in any way he's worried about himself here but also uh take take this aspect out of it but like in a in a in a relationship that's ending you start talking about we mm-hmm. you know we we do like when you're trying yeah. to hold on we do this or you talk about the past and how much how happy we were um but so she's you know she's she's sorry it had to end this way she heads to the basement um because he told her it's in the basement the suitcase and then well, after just she walked- the insidiousness of it she's like just like i'm he's like oh i'm begging you don't do this and she's like where's my suitcase and he really he stops he thinks he considers and he tells a fucking lie it's in the basement yeah so she walks you know so she's like i'm sorry to end this way and after she walks away he's like no i'm sorry because mm, he knows exactly what he's doing he's he's made yeah. a choice even now about what he's going to do so we get this great shot of her like going down the stairs. We see him at the top of the stairs. And then as she's like looking around, the, the basement's completely empty. No he steps back there. in, yeah. shuts the door, locks it. She runs back up, but it's too late. Well, even the way he locks it, he like he does it very carefully and slowly. Like he's like being quiet about it, you know? Yeah. She keeps trying the door handle, calling out his name, asking him to open the door, starting to panic. He just like, you can hear her throughout the house. And he just goes into the living room puts on a record of some Christmas music and like the lyrics from this song are like, tell me what you want this year. Mm-hmm. I only want you. Yeah. Um, he just like, she like, he leans against the back of the couch listening as Kate keeps pounding on the it's, door in the basement. It's chilling. And we see this, this like mask of someone much more disturbed coming over his face or the mask of someone normal, like disappearing. From, not, not normal, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. we see this change in his face. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's like, Maybe he wasn't always planning this, but I feel like this was always in the back of his mind as an eventual outcome. You know, it's yeah. like he he's always been concerned about what could happen if he got caught. And he's I think he's always had contingencies in mind that include things like kidnapping or maybe even killing her because he was never going to let her go. Not even if she turned 18, because no, his, his whole he enjoyed having the power. His whole thing about like saying, oh, you should go. It's you know, it's 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 insidious in the way he suggests that because he knows it's not going to happen. Yeah. And then when she actually does want to leave, he's not going to allow her to. Yeah. Which makes the whole, everything where, you know, she thinks she has agency and she's flirting with him and like setting her little, uh, like, 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 like romantic schemes for him to like kind of play into. It's like, it's so sad because it's like, 
her doing that is just playing further into his game with her. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the end of the episode. And uh, we get a little disclaimer for 24-7 help. Visit Rain's National Sex Assault Hotline. You know, I don't think there was ever a single episode of PLL where there was a uh, any sort of disclaimer at the end, right? <laughs> or, or, you know, message for support or anything like that. There was a Liam. Yeah, there was Liam. Emma Watson's friend. Uh, so that was a secret of my own. Heavy episode. I mean, the ex- I don't know if we communicated correctly. The experience of watching this episode is in- just intensely uncomfortable. Because it's it's not like it, it's in some ways from Kate's perspective played like a romance, but it's never not incredibly disturbing because I the episode is always there to communicate the Martin Harris of it all and the, mm. the intrusions that he freaks out about. Mm. I mean, I just I was able to just adore the craft of this episode because, you know, not all art. Is escapism. Like some of it should make us confront these issues and like, you know, get that cathartic release and not not celebrate these things. And I don't think the show, you know, it doesn't celebrate it it in the cinematic language because like it borrows touches of, of romance, but it clearly also lets you know touches of this horror. is not romantic. Yeah. yeah. But like I mean the difference between romance and horror sometimes is is razor thin. Um so I just I'm just I'm fascinated by just how fucking everyone in the show is just bringing their a game. Well, there's um, just something about the, the kind of, I don't know, banal normalness of seeing this happen. And like, it's like, it, it goes down exactly how you might expect it to go down sort of thing. You know, there's, there's no mustache twirling. There's no big twists or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, you can see how a Kate person would be, you know, infatuated with this older man and you could see how that would work for a while and then it wouldn't. And then this guy is uh, the kind of guy who rather than risk himself in any way, he's just going to kidnap her. Like I said, uh, what happened this episode didn't surprise me. It was pretty much everything I expected. It's the how mm-hmm. that I was like surprised by and like continuously impressed with. Well, just and... the, the horror has seen it unfold. Yeah, yeah. I, I second viewing, I just I was able to turn off a little bit of that part of myself and just try to appreciate again the craft. Um, so, you ready for questions or comments from people? Let's do it. All right. So from from Jessica, kept wondering uh, what led Kate to finally, after all this time, uh, choose to call Jamie of all people. She says she was still technically in a relationship with him when she ran off to Martin and stayed with him for months upstairs. I mean, <laughs> sometimes you call an ex. Didn't she kind of break up with Jamie at the end there? Uh, Jamie's last encounter with with Kate is him passed out in Martin Harris's car yeah. after pissing in his bushes. I mean, like, Jamie, I mean, at least from Jamie's perspective, he's very much still in a relationship with Kate the next day at I school. I suppose so, yeah. Um, but, I mean, she, it, the, it was clear that she was, like, mentally checked out for a little while there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because she wasn't able to confide in him, which... They were growing apart beyond that, and they—that's not a relation that was destined to last. Uh, also, from Jessica, is it a coincidence that Jeanette is wearing a black hoodie, same as Jamie at the carnival, when Kate mistakes his identity at the carnival? Um, Maybe not. I so I think, I think in this regard, like the mirrors, 
it the the focal point as far as refractory comparisons is Jeanette. So it's I think comparing Jeanette and Kate is one thing, and I think comparing Jeanette and uh, Jamie is one thing. I don't know if there's like you know Kate and or, uh, Kate and Jamie wearing similar outfits, um, but uh, do you think the cops were coming because Jeanette stole something at the mall? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Maybe. Maybe she was just about to get out of there after. I mean, I don't know. What would she have stolen at like two cop cars that show up? Well, and that she could carry in her large coat. Yeah. You know, Um, knocking off a Tiffany's or something. Although I I don't think Skyland has a Tiffany's. Again, why is she wearing the You Go Girl if she hasn't repaired or something with Mallory? Do you know what I mean? It's the fact that she had the necklace, some sort of sign that she was looking to reconcile. With Mallory. Because she had previously given Mallory the yearbook stolen from Martin Harris. Is she house. dating Jamie yet? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Is she dating Jamie yet? I, yeah, again, I, I, I would be fucking stunned if Mallory is not the quote unquote hostile witness of episode 10. Maybe. Because right now, I, the, the show is delicious in the fact that, like, it's like, you know, the whole point is, our whole thing for me is like, what's been the point of Mallory this whole time? Well, like, who, and then have who her else now would position, be the hostile witness, you know? Seriously, but like having her now positioned between these two where she basically is victory for either of these girls. Mm -hmm. And so on one hand, you could argue that like Jeanette's been wronged by Kate in in her assertion. You can make that argument and like maybe Mallory would get that. And then the drama is, does Mallory do the quote unquote right thing and bring forth the snow globe or or, or what? Well, so like, well, the snow globe. Okay, so on the one hand, it could prove that, yes, Jeanette was at the house then. But it also proves, along with the voicemail, that Kate was free to roam the house then. Yep. So yep. I don't know that the snow globe and Mallory's possession of it necessarily they're both, they're helps both Kate's side of things. No, but I mean, my, I, my point is that Mallory could just never release the snow globe. Mm-hmm. Jeanette is arguing that this proves that Kate's a liar. And in doing so, she's going to also screw herself because she's going to reveal that she lied to the cops as well. Mm-hmm. She told me she'd only been there one time. Um, so it's like, does Mallory suppress the snow globe or does she hand it over to Jeanette to, to, to bring forth? Uh, also from Jessica, previously we saw Ben blame Jeanette for what happened to him, but, we, but now we know it's because he got in the car with a drunk Jamie. Does he blame Jamie? We haven't seen them together in 95 thus far. I don't think he actually blames Jeanette. He just acknowledges the Rube Goldberg of it all. I think he, he acknowledges that like if it weren't for Jeanette and this the drama about Kate, it wouldn't have happened. Like but, I, I really I don't we'll see. I could be wrong, but I don't think there's another shoe to drop there between like Ben and Vince. I no. I think episode That's, eight was cruel. it. Yeah. That'd be fucking cruel. I mean, they may, you know, maybe they reconcile. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But like, I I don't think there's like some other secret we haven't gotten yet about like how it went wrong between them. I I think that episode eight was showing us what would happen there. Like she's going to show up in a flashback and be like, sorry, Ben, the bros theorize that you're in a wheelchair. So I also have to push you off this cliff. (laughs) Um, Like Mac and me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, we haven't seen the key detail in Jessica's comment that I think is we haven't seen Jamie do his apology tour to Ben, which you might argue this could be the biggest apology that he owes of yeah. like whatever step this is. I would say so. I mean, obviously, punching your girlfriend and gaslighting bad. your other girlfriend, all bad but things. Like, but yeah, 
physically harming or being responsible for physically harming and stealing this man's future. Mm-hmm. And I and I say stealing this man's future in a way in which uh, you know Ben is not like a Stanford swimmer who sexually assaulted a woman mm-hmm. and, and oh no we can't prosecute him because his poor future. Um, uh, also from Jessica, it lo- totally looks like Jeanette's still wearing the necklace when she leaves Martin's. Could there have been a second one? Um, and she mentions the seemingly that was a necklace that she dropped. You know, as far as we yeah. can tell. Yeah. Um, uh, Kayla asks, uh, will we see a scene of Kate seeing or think she's seeing Jeanette in the basement? Maybe. Uh, uh, Maybe what we saw was the the incident where she thought that Jeanette saw her, or maybe there's another thing that kind of augments that. Kayla asks, why did Martin drug her while in the basement to move her somewhere? I mean, it seems like she's still in the basement. I think the, the from what we've gotten so far, there could be nefarious gross reasons for why he's drugging her, but there, it could also just be a simple matter of he needs to move a bunch of supplies down there yeah, and he yeah. can't do that with her conscious. So yeah. he has to knock her out. And and yeah. maybe there are also other gross reasons as well for that. But it, at the very least, it seems like he, in order to operate, he needed to knock her out. Yeah. Kayla also points, and she cannot stress enough how important this episode is and how well it's handled, portrayed, portrayed. Uh, hard agree. Yeah, I mean, just like peeking at like the 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 cruel summer subreddit, like the you know the night that this episode aired, I saw like several people being like, "Wow, like I didn't realize I was groomed until I watched this episode," like, which oh, is yeah, I bet. heartbreaking, but. I, I astounding at the same time like the, like multiple people being like either like, I, yes i was groomed and this feels like so true to life or being like mm-hmm. i never realized until now that i th- i think i might have been groomed okay so let's 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 flash back to the 90s for a moment because it's super these these two characters are super problematic now mm-hmm. but do you remember you know love line <laughs> how fucking good it was in the 90s do you remember the christy swanson interview adam and dr drew i don't know jog my memory i might if you if you remind so me so they're asking her oh is that about she's um, dating alan thick yeah right yeah and she is like there's so much being said by her between the lines about like like adam Kroll is like would you and granted adam Kroll and dr drew are trash now they're it's, fucking it's hardcore bizarre trash. how they both rang the magabell when they like they were like at one point arguing for plan B available to teenagers back in like the nineties. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and how important that show was to so many people for like giving like honest, real sex advice, mm-hmm. not at like not advocating shame, like letting people know like self-pleasure was okay. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, there's, they're asking her like Adam Crowell is asking her a question about like, you know, something about like, w- would you recommend dating an older man? And the way she's just like, um no (laughs) (laughs) i i do kind of vaguely remember that now yeah oh um so from megan final theory is going in the finale um i feel like we've we've gone over quite a bit right well it it seems like it's very trial centered from the pictures release final theories i mean i i feel like there's maybe three or four scenarios here scenario one is what we saw in episode nine was quote unquote, the incident and it became twisted in Kate's memory due to all the traumas she encountered, you know, and maybe there's some sort of reconciliation between her and Jeanette and whatnot. 
about, you know, what happened and that, yes, Jeanette didn't actually see her, blah, 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 whatever. You know, that's that's one possibility. And it it almost feels like the most likely one just because the way the show has so put an emphasis on the kind of empathy for people and the acknowledgement of grooming mm-hmm. and, and what happens to people because of it, you know, um, scenario two. Or uh, there's two scenarios here. Either like a scenario would be like, okay, either Kate is secretly malicious or Jeanette is secretly malicious. No, I'm not saying I, I think Kate is less likely. Is there a world where it ends where like it seemingly Jeanette has got away with it and then like the mass drops or something? I wouldn't say it's 100 percent not possible. I think there's at least a small percentage chance where like the show is waiting to drop that hammer on us. I don't know. Um, scenario three, Mallory, that Mallory has something to do with this, that she was secretly aware and didn't say anything, blah, blah, whatever, you know, and that, that Kate confused Mallory for Jeanette. Um, I mean, there's always a possibility that Mallory's always just been a red herring. Yeah. Scenario four, Angela or somebody else is secretly, you know, Annabelle's a real character. It's going to show up, you know, Martin Harris is still alive somehow. Like I, those are all se- seem pretty far fetched to me. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that one of our two main characters is potentially intentionally lying. I about I really don't think something. it would be Kate. I really don't. Just be from everything we've got about Kate and that the way the show is going so far to make us understand how she was groomed, it would be weird to me for them to be like, but actually. Kate secretly like just pissed off that like Jeanette stole her boyfriend or something, you know, like that, no, no, that no, doesn't I mean, feel I mean, right to me, but I, I could see maybe something with Jeanette where it's like it ends and we think everything's resolved and like, Oh, by the way, Jeanette knew the whole time or something. I, no, I mean the Kate thing, absolutely not because that would be cruel. I mean, it's one thing to say Kate's fallible, but like for us to have seen and felt her guilt throughout all of this, because I mean, the, uh, of course she's going to hold on to some secrets out of guilt, out of shame, out of the fact that she wants to hold on to something that's that I I, I could understand how Kate could become convinced that Jeanette should have saved her from the situation, but not in like a malicious way where she's like secretly like sticking it to Kate because she knew all along. Like that, that doesn't read correct to me at all. Uh, I I believe there's another shooter drop of Jeanette 100% because they have, again, telegraphed at every moment that there's something else mm-hmm. going on of Jeanette that we're True. not fully privy to. We've always been privy with Kate, which is why I've always been drawn to the Jeanette character because she is the character, like Angela says, who needs the love, but also like her reaction to everything has been so complicated and so fascinating, and I and I'm very drawn to that. And the Kate she has plenty of fans, as she should. Um, Whereas Jeanette's the person who I don't know. I'm, I'm very. I, there's something else of Jeanette. I don't think it's like, ha, bitch. I was glad you were stuck in that basement. I don't think it's anything like that. I, um, I've seen certain theories like Martin could still be alive. I just don't see how. You know, like yeah, like he was killed in the oh, shootout. We, like that, all the cops. Man, like yeah, we can't. We can't with the Bethany Young of it all. Mm-hmm. We just fucking can't. Oh, but also, you know, again, I feel like we've kind of indirectly and directly badmouthed PLL's reaction to a lot of things. I do appreciate that PLL usually went out of their way to reform their villains. With the exception of maybe well, uh, uh, yeah. Twincer. 
on Ezra. Well, because they couldn't, they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't acknowledge Ezra as a villain. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like with Charlotte, you know, and then a grand Charlotte turned out to be evil again. But like in Twinster, but I mean, like at least they they attempted at times to like humanize. Like with Mona, you know, she's not well, like a clear cut villain. At least so far, Cruel Summer is not the kind of of show where just wild and crazy shit happens. Like it happens on PLL, you know. Right. Um. I. I don't know. It, it could all be a put on. I mean, I, as a mystery writer myself, I'm I'm curious to see. Like they've they've laid a lot of track here, and it could be all what we're expecting, or that could be all set up for a massive rug pull where we completely didn't see something coming that's going to like rock our world. And I, I would I would respect it if that's the case. You know, I know it's 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 always a game of hide the ball when you're like trying to tell a mystery story, but uh, I, I guess we'll just have to see where they ultimately go with it. Um, I know I've seen a, a tweet from uh, Jessa C here, like, you know, like, did Mallory, like, you know, did, did Mallory know what she caught on tape? You know, it's possible that maybe she's got her own tape of that and she watched it later and figured it out. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Videotapes do seem to be a lot of the iconography of this show. So maybe that does have something to do with it. Um. Megan's next question is number one '90s cover song you want to hear. So let me run through my list. You tell me if if your what yours is after. This mm-hmm. is not. This was just my general. I made a couple uh, like a week ago or whatever, just for like you know somewhere in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's maybe maybe fifteen total. Oh. Uh, Never let me down again by Depeche Mode. Mm, yeah. There she goes by The Laws. Tomorrow, Wendy by Concrete Blonde. Hold on by Wilson Phillips. Nothing compares to you by Prince slash Sinead O'Connor. So you're I going for like full up. covers here too. Not, not, not like there she goes by uh, Sixpence on the Richer. Uh, <laughs> these could be cover versions. They could be, I love Sixpence on the Richer. These could be cover versions. These could be the originals. Mm-hmm. I want to sex you up by Color Me Bad. Wow. That that feels too early 90s to me. 91, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damn, I Wish Was Your Lover by Sophie B. Hawkins. Uh, by Crash Test Dummies. Mm-hmm. I Laid by James, which is a 93 song. Stay, yeah, I Missed one. You by Lisa Loeb. Uh, you Gotta Be by Desiree, 94. Not an Addict by Kay's Choice. It Bad almost feels by... like we have gotten that already. Uh, not an Addict? Yeah, for some, I don't know, maybe it's the uh, the Mazzy Star of it all. Hmm. Bad Days by Flaming Lips. Waterfalls by TLC. Mm-hmm. Sucked Out by Super Drag. That, that's too late. That That's like late 90s. It's, it's 96. Some of these some of these are like mm-hmm. future seasons. So then I have Naked Eye by Luscious Jackson. Ready to Go by Republica. That Primitive Radio Gods song. Anything by like Vogue? No, uh, no Elastica in there for Republica. Oh, I, I don't have Elastica. No stutter. Um, anything by Envogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is later '90s. Sink to the Bottom by Fountains of Wayne. Mm-hmm. Back in Our Town by Ivy. Torn by Nally and Bruglia. Truly, Madly, Deeply by Savage Garden. But like a dark cover. Last couple. Song Two by Blur. Your Woman by White Town. And then this is the craziest one. You get what you get by New Radicals. Yeah, I feel like a lot of those are like late nineties. I don't know if they would fit with early nineties. The the uh, everything after um, waterfalls would be late nineties. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking like now, like season two or three on. But what do you got? Um, I mean, just just very broadly, you know, just looking through my iTunes and whatnot. Is there room for cake here? Just representing the hometown, Sacramento. Is there room for maybe um, like I will survive? I don't know. I don't see it. You don't see it? No. I mean, I don't I don't know if cake would would has permeated enough to make it for a cover. I don't know. No rock and roll lifestyle. 
because i lived in sacramento i had no idea how big that song was outside of sacramento you know yeah yeah uh what else we got why not sheep go to heaven yeah no that's 98 uh divinals i touch myself all is classic i mean some of them it's like it's like the crash just dummy song it's like Mm -hmm. i don't know the context of how you'd use this song it's in the background maybe whatever Mm -hmm. everclear feels a little too late let me just throw this one at you this is just like an absolute no but uh just some Zeropa arrow U2, a little numb. Mm. I mm. feel numb. None of that, maybe. I mean, I'll take anything from Octune Baby. Octune Baby, classic album, my favorite U2 album. How about yeah. how about a little fucking gin blossoms? Hey Jealousy, or maybe Mrs. Rita. I'll follow you down. Follow you down. Found out about you. I mean, there's a lot there. I don't want to take advice from fools. Mm-hmm. I'll just wait till I hear it from you. Yeah. We already I had mean, we already had Green Day, right? We had she. We had she. Harvey Danger, that's too late in the nineties. Yeah. I mean it's Harvey Danger Harvey Danger uh and that flies song are just mm. to me, they're just so married to the fucking disturbing behavior <laughs> soundtrack. Maybe a little jewel you were meant for me. We had a jewel cover. Did we? What which one was it? Who's gonna save your soul? Oh, we do we have that on there? Okay, all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Less, Dark cover. less than Jake feels a little too like ninety six yeah. and onward. Yeah. I mean, there's always Liz Fair, right? Like we've mentioned her on, in the show. Can, yeah. can we hear some chopsticks? Maybe we already had our Mazzy Star. It's too early for Fassy. Moby. Too early you for get, like, Mono. A new Liz Fair song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moby's Moby's uh, maybe a little too. Uh, insensitive of a choice. I'm just fascinated by the idea that you can say, oh yeah, me and her definitely dated. And then the other person's like, no, we didn't. Like, one of you is lying. <laughs> like, you either did or you didn't, you know? Well, but Jesus fucking Christ, Moby, you just say, obviously I misinterpreted mm-hmm. whatever we had and I'm so sorry. And, and You know, I mean, it's like, fucking learn something and then... I mean, yeah. REM and U2, I feel like there's just no way they could afford the real thing. Maybe they could afford a cover of like Losing My Religion or something, or maybe Shiny Happy People. Be very, like, kind of like ironically on brand. <laughs> here's, here's what I want. Uh, so, again, my, my hope is that something happens and that Kate and Jeanette have to unite. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, the, that's the hook for the end of season, season one. It's like season two, we're like, oh shit, like, these two have to keep this secret together or whatever. But if like you were playing shiny, happy people as we're going to credits, I would, I would kind of adore it. Is it too early for Sarah Mac? Sarah um, I, know, I know a lot of people want Sarah Mac, maybe possession. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can dig that. I can definitely dig that. You know, and then you got, you got your sponge. I just, you got here's your what I don't drag. ever want to hear in a TV show again is I will remember you. Um, or you know, the the season two Buffy finale owns that whatever that Sarah Mac song is too early for Third Eye Blind. I think yeah. it's also too early for the Toadies and their one hit. Tori Amos, I mean, she's just sitting there. I'm sure, there's yeah. plenty you could pull from well, her. Like, like, why hasn't Kate gotten like a big Tori Amos phase? Seriously. Um, there's a great you know Olivia Holt did a, a like an Instagram Q and A the other day, and so one of the questions was like, which which era of Kate's been your favorite? And she has the picture of her either getting a fake or a real belly, belly, belly button piercing. Mm-hmm. And she's like 95 Kate all the way. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Got the, the roller skating, the antenna, the boat, the feather boa and all that. Uh, I don't know. Anyone else we haven't mentioned here? Wallflowers, I think it's too soon for it. Weezer, I think theoretically. Was Weezer around in 95? 
Uh, I can't remember. Perhaps. A little Buddy Holly well. in there. A little uh, sweater song. I mean, some of these songs, though, it's like, I can't think of the narrative reason. It's, right, like, it's yeah. just going to be playing the background of a, you know, it's not like you're going to get like a, a really like thematically, thematic yeah. Yeah, Buddy Holly cover, mm-hmm. Buddy Holly cover or sweater song cover. <laughs> But I think of Buddy, or I think of Weezer now, and I just think of the fucking SNL skit. Seriously. <laughs> so there's also, some options there. There's absolutely some options. They've already done a garbage song, so you know we covered that base. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't know. Like for some reason, I associate, even though this is an '80s song, I associate the B52s with the '90s. Mm-hmm. Like they had like a little a radio lot. little renaissance. What if there was a lobster and they rocked? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're not gonna. I mean, the the callous version is like Martin and Kate are hanging out at his place, listening to Love Shack. How about <laughs> uh, how about Beck Loser? That'd be very nineties. I feel like you could get Beck on this show easily, mm-hmm. or 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 better than Ezra. Look good, living with you, Waha. Yeah, definitely the one. He was like a ninety eight though. Yeah, I mean, like I said, some of these songs are just like the future of of. Uh, it's cruel summer season two, you know. It's, it's just yeah. waiting there. I just, I just want cruel summer two. They got a bigger budget; they can afford the original songs now. <laughs> I, but I, I feel like some of the songs, the idea of covers doesn't upset me. Like it makes a kind of sense. That's like kind of to me. Sometimes it works, this, and sometimes this nostalgia. It's, filtered through and like um honestly like the music of the cover for she makes much more sense than like the actual sometimes i I guess of the billy joe armstrong original my example would be like when where is my mind is playing like that could have just been the pixies right like i don't feel like the cover is really adding anything there it could have just been the pixies well they also they couldn't do uh um what's his name's piano cover that uh uh, Mr. Robot went got. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the dude's name. I mean, some of this too, it, it might just be that like Freeform is owned by like Disney. So, like, I don't know. Does Disney own a record label? They probably do. It might just be like they have to take songs from their label or something like that. Yeah. Um, all right. Also, uh, thank you to who pointed out that the, the horrible misreading of the she lyrics in that episode by us. Did we? Yeah, she's not a sexual toy of how to use. Is, is that not the line? It's a social tool of how to use. Are you serious? Yes. Have I been misinterpreting the lyrics of that song for so long? Indeed you have. Hmm. You have to Google yeah. that now. Um, are they going to wrap up everything in the last episode or leave us hanging for potential season two? Come on, Megan. They're going to they're gonna leave us hanging for a season two, are right? They? I mean, I, I could totally see this being a one-off, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm very so, curious. So, I feel like they're not saying anything until the finale because they're, they're leaving I think that that's open. Why. Yeah. I, and I think that's why. Because do you remember, like, it was like, if, you were, if you're excited about this upcoming finale for you, you will be excited about season two when Joe moves to LA. And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. We haven't even found out what happens to what's her name is insufferable. Um, but I mean, there's, there's, there's Jeanette and Kate season two. I, I think, I think honestly, I don't want to, but you could continue the show with just Jeanette. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, of the two, Olivia like Holt Jeanette. is so good and, and Kiara really is so good. It'd be weird to not have one of them, but, but it's, 
as much as it's a two-hander, it's 51% Jeanette, 49% Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, you know, the very beginning, this has been a Jeanette show. Uh, I don't think I would necessarily buy into it, but you could do the weird prequel show with the parents. Uh, you could do this as an anthology, a la The Sinner, or like where, I don't know who the one character you would take over if you were to do a full Sinner. Like there's no Bill Pullman character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Unless it's Jeanette. Like it's just like a Jeanette a couple yeah. years later. Um and she's she's come become full on Tom Ripley, which I'm fucking into that baby. Um, yeah, let's see. Sarah pointed out the quarantine vibes being very timely. Uh, her theory is that Jeanette did see Kate, and that the fake out is that you know surely it's a misunderstanding, but not this show. Um, and that Kate did something to cause Martin to die instead of being arrested, like not actually shoot him. Um, There's a lot of theories about whole, that gunshot. Yeah, I read a whole article talking about uh, i don't know i don't remember all of it to even there's just such a huge difference between are you feeling like a social tool without a use and i've been feeling like a sexual toy without a use i feel like 20 30 years of my life is completely different now i i think it it fits just fine in the um context of the rest of Mm -hmm. the the I, i guess i feel like my interpretation feels like more of a green day lyric you know uh, well, it's quite possible that you've just never understood Green Day. That's true. I'm gonna have to go re-examine my uh, opinion of American Idiot now. I can't wait for the fucking SNL skit about <laughs> Green Day now. <laughs> Got a question from Sarah. She says, "At the end of PLL, you felt like you could deal with being trapped in a house as long as it had a as long as you had a bucket. Do you still stand by that?" First of all, I do not remember saying this. It's entirely possible that I did drunk like two hours into a three-hour podcast. Um, Jesus, James. Do you, do you remember that? You're putting a lot of faith in a bucket. No, I don't. I I, I don't recall. I'm just, I'm just remembering Wesley Wyndham Price threatening <laughs> to remove that woman's bucket. And then she follows up and said, in this scenario, you had your mom for company. So food, clothing, bathroom, and your mom. Do you still think you could do it? Um, I love my mother. I don't know if I'd want to be stuck in a basement with her or with a bucket. Like maybe she could pop in once a week or something. Maybe hey, once every two weeks. Hey, um, can we uh, can we not dive into a scenario where somebody's shitting in front of their mother? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I completely cut off with just a bucket and no internet. That'd be rough. You know, if I if I had internet access, that'd be something at least. I don't know. What's the what's the what's the financial situation like? Uh, am, am I doing this like, uh, like for money? That, uh, that that checkoff story where I, I get a bunch of money at the end of this. I don't know. We we there's that whole thing. I, at some point, I want to reason. I mean, this. here's like, what I'm saying, folks. You want to watch me shit? Pay me a million dollars. I'll shit in front of you. Yeah, there, there's this whole thing going around Reddit. It's like okay, you're you have to like live underground for like ten years. Like you can you have a certain amount of points you can spend on certain things and you know, get money at the end. Like what would you yeah. you know what do you want? Do you want a TV? Do you want like a garden? All that kind of stuff. Like the creepy ones were always like. This guy or this woman, they'll have sex with you whenever you want. Yeah, it's all like ten points, like or no, it's eighteen points. Uh, you know, an attractive eighteen-year-old man or female, she will have sex with you. He will have sex with you. That kind of thing. Also, I first saw that thing when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. Being the age I am now, and the person's eighteen is gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the the real detail about this because I, I I captured that particular gif. Um, the woman is 18. The man is 25. So do with that what you will about who made this. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Being stuck in a, in a house with a bucket for how long? 
That'd be tough. Be Can you tough. do it for one week? For, I mean, sure. Yeah. A week. What is a week? You know? Oh, wow. Hashtag get James the shit in a bucket for a week mm-hmm. challenge. Uh, so how many, how much does the trouble book sales need to spike for you to do that? To live with a bucket for a week? Yeah. Significantly. Let's put it that way. I, I can't wait for the moment where you're just squatting, mm-hmm. going number two in a bucket and your cat just looks at you and you make eye contact and the cat's like, you're no better than I mm-hmm. am. I mean, that happens <laughs> you, anyway. You control the food. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, after you scoop up your shit out of that bucket, you then have to go scoop the cat shit out of the bucket, out of their bucket. So the cat, cat is in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so from Andrew... Uh, do you think that this is the this episode is the sum total of the central incident, quote unquote, of the show, with maybe some wiggle room left as Jeanette saw Kate in the window, or do you think there's another incident we have yet to see? Here's my thing about that. I feel like there's still a lot of stuff to tackle in that last episode. So squeezing in yet another incident with also Annabelle, with also Martin's uh, demise. I I feel like this is the incident. I and would maybe say, we have some wiggle room around it. I would say if there's another quote unquote incident, it's not going to be Jeanette. It's going to be Mallory. That's my prediction. Either okay. either this is all kind of traumatic memory jumbled up in Kate's brain, or there's another incident, but but it's Mallory there and not and not Jeanette. And that's kind of the the linchpin. Mm-hmm. Um Related from Andrew, do you think Annabelle is connected to the Kate Jeanette aspect or is it an entirely separate thing? Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like at this point, Annabelle is going to be one of two things. Either it's like, this is Annabelle. It's a gun. I'm going to shoot you with it or something like that. And like somehow. Like, or it's just going to be used to threaten her. Yeah. Or this is Annabelle, the girl I, I used to have a thing with. She caused problems. So I had to dispose of her. This is your future unless you do whatever. I feel like those are the two I mean, most likely things there. Because uh, Andrew's on a, a good point. He asks if Annabelle's an object, do you think we've already seen it somewhere in the, in the episode considering we see a lot of Martin's house? The thing is, though, we've gotten at least two references in different episodes to a X, a female X of some sort of his. And I I, like we've I, seen that more than we've seen an object that sticks out. Rewatching episode nine, it didn't seem like it ever lingered on a particular object yeah. of note. I feel like if that was... If Annabelle was some sort of object we'd seen before, I think there would have been a, something there for the the clever or, watcher to latch on to. He's like, this is Annabelle, my uh, shorter shorts. <laughs> it's just a Speedo, yeah. <laughs> and he puts it on, and as poor Kate's uh, you know, trapped there, he's like, does this effectively hide my thunder? Yeah, I mean, as far as like objects that we focused in on in episode nine, it's like, you know, his cordless phone, his glass of whiskey, the snow globe, like I just, nothing else stands out there. It'd be weird if they're like, oh, it, it was in the background the whole time. You didn't notice or something like I, I didn't. It, 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 if that's the case, there's no way you could have predicted it, you know? Yeah. Um, then Andrew asked a lot of generic season two questions, which kind of like, you know, pitches that I think we've already presume the idea that I there mean, is a season two. Yeah. I freeform is gonna i would be very happy for a season two of this show if there was my hope it would be involving both olivia holt and uh kiara Kiara but i don't know exactly how that works i guess and uh tia napolitano Mm -hmm. what's up girl get on the show but uh i think the anthology thing is very doable i think in a lot of ways that's a bigger risk 
than just bringing back the two main characters and finding some aspect of the story with them. It's basically just like, here's another story. Show. You know, what, what is the, what is the driving connectivity? Is it about another grooming situation? Is it about another just like kind of like right. mystery stretch over multiple summers? Like what, you know, what is it about? Yeah. I mean, that's to me, like I said, if like you have a great story that comes to you, great, but it's almost a bigger challenge and a bigger risk than just taking these characters that we know and like and, and, and continuing on with them. Um, uh, seems like Carmen's not a fan of Kate. Um, I don't know that I totally agree, Carmen, but I appreciate your point. Uh, I just, I, I have a problem villainizing Kate and being like, oh, how could she accuse Jeanette? Because we, we have not seen the final episode yet. We're just, we're still waiting for the denouement. And until yeah. then, it seems premature to uh, really ascribe any guilt to anyone. Yeah, Latara also, you know, said to her it felt unclear if Jenna actually saw Kate. Um, I don't think she did, based on the way it was filmed. Yeah, especially like the focus on making sure we got those like juicy close-ups of Jeanette letting us know like Jeanette's seeing something Jeanette's looking mm-hmm. and it's like when we get the one where she's curious about the upstairs Kate is clearly like around the corner mm-hmm. and it, um, it, it really seems like yes Jeanette was there she stole the snow globe she heard something she got the fuck out of there she didn't see yeah. anyone and maybe that's ultimately uh, just that's it you know and like Kate interpreted that as her having seen her and was like angry that Jeanette never told anyone that that could be all there is to it, but maybe there's something more. Yeah. And, and sorry, Alyssa, like a lot of your questions, I think we've, we've brought up just, you know, did, did Jeanette go back after Christmas? Had Martin groomed another girl? How did he see it ending? I think we, I think we've, we've gone over a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the questions I see unless I've missed any, but I don't think that I have. Yeah. I feel like we've covered most of it there. Yeah, thank you again, everyone, for you know your questions and your theories, your reviews. Uh, again, you're, you're way too kind to us. I'm glad we have other people watching along with us, though. Mm-hmm. So next week, uh, we'll be a couple of days later than the finale. Yeah, we're going to take some time to digest things. Uh, we are most likely going You'll to hear have from a us special on Twitter guest. And what have you. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, we'll most likely have special guests on the pod for that episode. Um. Well, I guess we'll we're just waiting to see. Like, is this the end of the story, or is there more? You know, so maybe, maybe there'll be yeah. a season two. Maybe they'll like have the the exit interview after the episode airs, or like, yep, that was it. I don't know. We will, yeah. we will wait and see. Thanks everyone who's rating and reviewed the show. I don't think we've gotten any reviews in the last uh, two or three hours since the last episode we recorded. But if you want mm-hmm. to support the pod, you can always rate and review us in the podcast app. You can also go to my name is trouble or trouble always finds me.com and check out our books that we wrote. They're girl detective mysteries starring a girl named trouble. We don't have ads. We don't have a Patreon. We have a book. If you want to support the pod, go buy our book in Kindle or Apple books or paperback format. You can get the book. You can read it. If you like mysteries, we think you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this, that's it. We're waiting for the big reveal. or waiting for the finale. Yeah, we're excited. yeah see, so yeah, we'll be a few days later. You'll hear from us, I'm sure, on social media. You get our thoughts in some ways. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, as Mallory would say, peace. I'm a closer. Bye-bye.